0: Hi, so my name is Luis. Uh, You can find me on social media, Green Zebra Gardening, all one word, over on Instagram. Uh, You can also look the same name up on YouTube. I do have a Facebook uh, page, um, but it really doesn't post a lot on there. Um, I do have a, for those of you that are local to Long Beach, Lakewood, Downey, whatnot in that area, I do have a Facebook group that I started almost 10 years ago now. Uh, for local gardeners, we do a lot of exchanging there of produce. People will post whatever they have. Uh, and it's also become a very nice community of just learning uh, how to talk to each other about, you know, what issues we may be having with plants. I do have the website, uh where you can find all the links as to where you can find me online. I do have a blog on there. Uh, It's a little irregular, but it's all there, and uh, I do have all the affiliate links in case you want to check out the products that I'm doing uh, or promoting. If I don't use it, I don't promote it, Um, and if I don't promote it, it's because I'm not using it, Uh, and that's why I only have maybe a few companies or a few brands that I actually work with because I go after them to get it. Um, And that's it. I'll catch you guys later.
1: Welcome to the Grubthusiast Grubcast, where we're on a mission to find the best places to eat, drink, and have a good time. And occasionally, we get to sit down with some of the amazing food artists that make that possible. Thank you for listening as usual. If you like what you hear, don't forget to like and subscribe. It really helps out the show. My guest today is Mr. Luis Tabone. He was nice enough to invite me to his garden. We take a tour and talk about how he got started, his planting methods, and our mutual love of fresh fruits and vegetables. So, Luis, thank you for having me down to your place today um, in Long Beach, not far from, uh, what is it, the Pike and all those places down there?
0: Uh, we're about 15 minutes away, straight down Long Beach Boulevard, all the way yeah, down.
1: Yeah. So, Luis, man, um, what, what are we doing here today, man? What is, what's going on here at the uh, community garden?
0: Well, the community garden, as the name states, obviously, it's for the community. Um, I have a garden at home, but I really wanted to come to the community garden for the community itself. Yeah. So you can connect with not just local gardeners, but hyper-local. So we literally have the same, past the same issues because we're all in the same space. Yeah. So the community garden gives people a place uh, for those that don't have a place at home. um, Oh, hang
1: on. There's an air show going on. (laughs) So I guess my, my real question is, are you, you're not very, not, you're pretty young, right? I like to
0: think so. Thank yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, you're in your 20s?
0: Wow. No, you got to double that. No. Yeah.
1: You're 40?
0: Two. Gee
1: whiz, dude. That, I've gotten it wrong a couple times <laughs> uh, recently. That's pretty interesting. So uh, tell me, man, how did you get into gardening? gardening? I mean, what, what?
0: Originally, it was actually... I was going to Long Beach City College. Um, I was taking a biology class, you know, just to go to the GEs. And the professor for the biology class for part of the lab of that class, she... Long Beach uh, City College has a a decent... uh, has a really good uh, horticultural department. So she went over to them and said, hey, give me a bunch of tomato plants. I'm going to have my students do, you know, like a project, like a grow-along type thing. And so once I got that growing... I was hooked. Um, my name on social media is Green Zebra Gardening for Green Zebra Tomatoes. And that was the first variety I've ever grown. I ever grew. I didn't get any fruit off of that, but that's initially what got me into the growing. Um, right after that, my, um, my partner at the time and I, we bought a house. And so the tenants that were there there were the tenants that were there from the previous owner, they had a like a long strip along this backyard where they have, were already growing, so I'm like I didn't have any I didn't have a job. I had time. I went out and bought a few packets of seeds, started planting and been growing since it's been hell almost 20 years now. Wow.
1: Do you sell your tomatoes?
0: No, oh. um, I give them away, I trade them, I swap them. yeah I do that with a lot of the produce.
1: do you, do you sell any of the stuff that comes out of here?
0: no uh since it is a community garden they don't want us selling anything out of here but we we swap all the time we actually have a community table obviously since it's a podcast people can't see but there's a table behind us uh where people just put out or even on the benches are sitting on yeah and like we'll just put out here free or whatever uh i did that at the when we started here in this garden five six months ago yeah i had a ton of plants and i just left them out here and people just came by and a lot of them grew them out here
1: And this one you said was the newest of the ones.
0: So this is the newest one uh, under Long Beach Organic. I believe it's garden number nine now. Oh, wow. Uh, And so they're all over the city uh, and they are available. I believe this one specifically has a few plots left. Yeah. Um, But depending on where you are in the city of Long Beach, then you can apply for different ones. Depending on how popular it is, depending on how dense the population is in that area, they may have a wait list. I know some of them have like a one or two year wait list. Wow.
1: Well, wow. and you say there's probably some some plots available.
0: Uh, there's usually plots available somewhere in the city. It just depends on how far you're willing to travel. I think this one, we have maybe a handful. I haven't checked with the director lately to see how many. But this one's, uh, we only started gardening here since, like, physically putting seeds and plants in the ground, uh, June, July. Wow, this year. This year. Dude,
1: okay, and so it's yeah. I mean, it's not exactly like fully developed. There's stuff is still coming up yes so and you know it's funny you're right next to this uh oil well yeah this it, i feel like i'm in some movie dude <laughs> that is uh that is <laughs> that is cool is it typically is it is it moved Does it does it pump anymore
0: uh you know i don't know okay um, Once i'm here i'm like you're so immersed in the garden <laughs>
1: yeah yeah <laughs> and that yeah is. so um no the name to, uh, green tomatoes Right, green zebra, green zebra tomatoes. Uh-huh. Is is that a variety of tomato, or is that yes?
0: Uh, okay. It's uh, they call, I like to call them salad tomatoes, so they're not the massive bee steak that people are used to. Yeah, but they're not cherries; they're somewhere in between, like a like something like that. Uh, I would say golf, golf ball. ball, golf ball, golf ball size. Okay, uh, they're green, and so zebra implies they're striped. Once they're ripe, uh, you still see the dark green stripes, but you get a little bit of the yellowing, and uh, what's they, the
1: flavor profile like?
0: The best way to explain it is like a citrus profile. Oh. Uh, has a little bit of a tang. Yeah. A little bit of a tartness. Yeah. But not anything like, holy crap, like ridiculous.
1: And you were saying your your previous renter, the renter of the house that you bought. Right. Uh, they had they had started this variety before? Was it already no, there? No,
0: no, no. They had tomatoes in the garden. Okay. It came from that biology class. Okay. That was a variety of tomatoes. I see. To me. Okay. I had never heard of it. I mean, you know, like the average person, all you're used to is like the stuff you see in the store. Yeah. The orange and... Mainly red tomatoes, yeah. maybe green if you have uh, an area in the store that has like, you know, heirloom organic tomatoes.
1: Yeah, I've noticed uh, that uh, in the store uh, they have just, you know, they have uh, the Hothouse Tom. That right. They have uh, just a, v- a few, a few, a selection of very few. And I know in the tomato world, it, it's got to be vast, Right.
0: Uh, I believe in the last count I heard it was like 4,000 heirloom varieties or 4,000 yes. varieties of tomatoes in general. Uh-huh. And, you know, you're right, yeah, in the grocery store, not just with tomatoes, with peppers and with everything. In the store, they give you less options. With tomatoes, you only have like maybe San Marzano's, Roma's, um, and that's really it. And like sometimes you get those giant beefsteak ones, but yeah. you're right, they're grown in a hothouse. Yeah. Um, and with fruit too, technically tomatoes are fruit, but with like apples, yeah. you only get like four varieties of apples. There's like hundreds of varieties of apples.
1: And, and they're all the my favorite my favorite to this day is uh, as, if it pertains to apples is the uh is the honey crisp I just can't get past them
0: I don't know if I've ever had that one
1: you know what you should get them they' okay. it is my they're they're the crunchiest they're the most uh flavorful to me sweetest huh. it's the best apple I've ever tasted
0: I think that's one my son likes yeah my uh he's now ten. He just turned 10 a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the one he likes. I'm more of a gala, and gala guy. And
1: those are a little softer, too, right? They're not quite as crisp as um, the Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm a, I love a crisp apple right out of the refrigerator uh, with a little pop that crunch like that, and you get that sweet gush of juice. Yeah. Dude. I agree. Yeah, and I used to, when I was a boy, uh, I used to love just a plain old red apple
0: and now they don't seem to be the same the apples have changed no not at all um because now everybody especially with tomatoes i want to say it's with tomatoes i want to say they call it the 12 mile an hour tomato because that's how fast the conveyor belt is going when they're harvesting so they'll grow them out in rows and these are low profile plants yeah at the end of the season they'll just run the machine through and it's basically just a conveyor belt and so, it needs to be able to withstand that so it doesn't get bruised. And so, they're really growing for convenience and not necessarily flavor. Right.
1: Yeah, that's most things, right? That- and
0: that, and that's most things, yeah. And most stuff is picked too early, and it ripens on the way to the store, and that's why stuff isn't as sweet as it used to be.
1: You know, when I was a boy, there used to be a Hughes Market. Uh, it was on, I think it was on National Boulevard in West L.A., and... I grew up going there with my father, who was a big fruit guy. He loved uh, grapefruits, uh, the, the yellow ones. Uh, he, was, uh, he loved all kinds of watermelon, berries, loved it all. And this Hughes had the best produce that I ever tasted, and it was consistent. These guys were pride. They prided themselves on having top-notch produce. And I have not had a consistent fruit. I mean, watermelon it seems to be the worst yeah. I, it's like, I can't find a good one to save my life. I have, I've listened to all the techniques. I don't understand the stripes and the tone and the, I, I know the tone when you got that thumping sound. Right, right. It kind of speaks to the texture. Right. And I think the, uh, the sweetness is supposed to come from that yellow spot on the side. I right. understand uh, because it sits in the field longer. Right. Uh, I, my father always said the best way to tell a watermelon was sweet or not was the, uh, uh bee stings. Yeah. Huh. yeah, you said that, um, and I, it's kind of been true. Uh, when you look at a watermelon, when the bees when the, know the sugar's inside, they, they sting it uh, huh. to get the, the sugar out. Okay. And what happens is the, the sap, the, the sweetness comes out behind it, and it leaves a little black, like a little globule of sugar. Huh. And when you see those little black little spot things on there, that's when you know the watermelon's sweet. That's what I understand.
0: I'd heard that. I mean it makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh but you know, fruit has never hasn't been the same for me in years, man. I, uh-huh. I used to eat the berries, uh the blueberries, the raspberries. Uh I don't, I just they're not they don't taste like anything anymore. You know? No. And when you're sometimes you're lucky and you get a really good pack of blueberries you know, from somewhere, the little small ones. Uh God, they're just so fantastic. I just I just I wish we had a really great uh produce place to get produce again. Because yeah. It just seems to me it's hit and miss. You know, how do you guys do here? Do you guys, are you consistent? you guys have good quality stuff because you do it yourself?
0: Usually I was going to say, if you want want the consistency, well, if you want the better flavor, your best bet is to probably grow it yourself. Really? Um, Going back to the berries real quick, the blackberries, that's why I don't buy blackberries in the store. Because, again, like I said earlier on the tomatoes, they pick stuff before it's ripe. And that's the same with that? And that's the same with that. So you never know with blackberries. Yeah, they might be dark. They might juicy but they're not going to have that sugar that sweetness because they've ripened on a truck you know coming from probably the valley in california which is where most of the stuff is grown yeah and it comes down here and you're like okay am i gonna get a a tart blackberry am i gonna get something sweet uh blueberries are are a little more forgiving but blackberries i'm like i don't i don't even bother buying them yeah even if they look ripe i'm like the sugar is not there yeah but um what's your
1: what's your favorite thing to grow out here
0: here, um, well, since, like I said, we just started this garden, I'm, yeah. I'm still kind of learning what yeah. to grow and what not to grow. Uh, we don't have a drip system, we have host bigots, so I don't get out here all the time to water. Right. I try and come out every two or three days uh, after work, although now with the winter coming in and it being darker, I don't always have time during the week because by like six o'clock it's already too dark. So um, I started certain things here, did really well. This year we have some Armenian cucumbers. Um, and then uh, going back to watermelons, I grew some, um, I can't remember what they're called off the top of my head. But there's these watermelons that to know, and this is really the main reason I bought, I planted them. They're small, uh, something midget. Anyway, um, when they're ready and they're ripe, the whole outside of the watermelon turns yellow. The skin? The full-on skin, everything turns yellow. And that's when it's ripe. And that's when it's ripe. Hmm. And so I took, we got some smaller ones out of there, like some little, you know, icebox varieties, uh, like personal watermelons. But the biggest one was like maybe three or four of those. I'd say maybe 10 pounds. And I took it home and my kids were over. It was a weekend with dad. I clipped off the watermelon. I took it over there. I cut up like half of it for them. When I come back to the kitchen, so I left them in the kitchen eating their watermelon. I went to go do some other stuff. I came back, and in the middle of the table, this is how you know the kids are really into it. They had the one of the bowls that I had given them the watermelon in. They had put all the seeds in there for me. So they had saved all the seeds because they knew oh, I grew it. Oh, nice. And so I come back, and it's like this bowl of just full of watermelon. Yeah, There was some juice in there because, yeah. yeah, obviously, it's watermelon. It's yeah. really juicy. And so... There's just a bunch of seeds, so I grabbed the bowl, and I took it to my boys. I said, what's the deal? Like, we liked it so much, we want you to grow it again. Wow. And I was like, oh, well, now I know which watermelon I'm growing.
1: And what variety is that again? What's it called? Uh, call?
0: go- oh, golden midget.
1: Golden midget.
0: So it's, uh, they're about the personal size watermelons. This one got a little bigger. I didn't expect it to get that big. But like I said, the whole fruit itself turns yellow. Because, okay. you know, when picking, it's it's not necessarily... I mean it's hard to figure it out in the store as you explained earlier, but also when you're going to harvest it, you know, certain things, you're looking for that same thump, you're looking for that yellow spot, but also at least with the plants, you're looking at the closest tendril to it. Once that browns and dries out, then you know it's ready. But even then, if you wait like a couple extra days or even one day, it goes too ripe and then you're like, no. So with these, I just waited till they went fully yellow. Yeah. And so I was like, well, if, if, if it works, fantastic. If it doesn't, then next year we're going to try a different variety. But the boys made the decision for me. They're like, here, we want you to grow this. And I went, okay.
1: And, and how, many of the, how many melons do you get from, like a, from the seeds? I mean, is it one per seed or is there?
0: It's one plant per seed. And depending on the variety you may get out of that one, I got maybe six or seven watermelons.
1: Okay. And how many seeds do you start with in there? It's just one. One seed. One seed. That's all it takes. And you get seven watermelons, up to... I,
0: I got about seven watermelons out of that one. Wow. So they, were all, they were all a little smaller. They were all like personal size, like those those personal size ones you yeah. find in the grocery store. Yeah. I don't the typically buy one, them, though.
1: They're so expensive, typically.
0: Well, yeah, that too. And But here's the thing, though. It's either you get the small one for like 5 or $6, and, or you get the bigger one for a couple dollars more. But I'm like, you kind of want to buy the small one, because at least in my house, if it's just mom and I, yeah. it's going to take us forever to eat through the whole thing okay and so that's why i like growing them and then that way i can try the different varieties
1: i see i am a, a watermelon freak <laughs> uh, i can i can get one of those uh 20 pound watermelons those giant ones i can get one and just in the kitchen i'll just lop off the end of it and i'll eat that whilst i'm cutting the rest of it <laughs> and i can get through probably a 10 pound watermelon i mean you think of it how much of that is skin how much of that is rind? True. true. That's probably see of a of t- of ten pound watermelon, you're gonna get maybe thirty percent rind, maybe more,
0: give or take. Yeah, or...
1: and plus the white part, and then the ends are kind of narrow, so it's not really a lot of meat there. Right. But I-, I can plow through that four pounds of watermelon like nothing. Oh jeez. I could sit at a. Pl- I could eat a personal water. I could eat two personal watermelons if I had them at one time. Uh, I mean, I, I look like I do. I'm just saying, though, that the watermelon is my probably my favorite fruit of, of all the fruits, of all the melons. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love a honeydew. I love a... Uh, what's that green one? Ice, no. And the honeydew. Honeydew. Okay, honeydew. And then there's the cantaloupe.
0: And then there's the cantaloupe. And there's...
1: I, I like cantaloupe,
0: uh-huh.
1: you know. But a watermelon is the king of melons to me. And what you're describing, uh, that little personal watermelon, dude... Now, so you were saying... Did you That watermelon you took home to the kids and they Uh ate it, Uh did you get any of that watermelon?
0: Yes, because I only cut up like half of it. Okay. Because I, well, I wasn't sure how much they were going to eat. I wasn't sure how hungry they were going to be. So I knew they weren't going to finish it.
1: So how was the sweetness? How was the texture? Oh my God. Like that?
0: Yeah. It was like, it's like that moment where you put that bite of food in your mouth, whatever it is. And it's like... Your eyes just roll back into your head. No way. And it had been in the fridge. So it was, you know, it was in towards the back of the fridge. So it was almost starting to, you know, if I had left it in there a little bit longer, maybe starting to freeze or crystallize. It was, it was so it good. It was decadent. It was like perfect. Wow. That, and so when I saw the seeds, I asked them why and they told me that. And I'm like, okay, I kind of agree with you. Well, I went and I went to try it myself. And I was like, okay, yeah, they're right. This is pretty damn awesome. So I'm just going to keep growing this one.
1: Do you have any here now?
0: No, I don't.
1: Or is the season over?
0: The season on that one is just about over. Okay. That one, uh, I want to say it was probably about a month ago. I have the seeds saved, and it, all in, and it only took... I gave them maybe half of that watermelon, and so there was enough seeds in there. Uh, I think I got maybe a couple dozen seeds. So I would definitely be growing that again here. And since it was growing here... Um, and you know, I wasn't watering very much, and so I had to kind of fight on its own. But it was sucking up all the water and it was getting all the nutrients out of there. Jeez. And it was, it's just, and not only that, once you, and that's why it's important to save seed. So, one, you get the varieties that you want. So, like, the kids are like, okay, if the seeds, you, they stop selling the seeds altogether at whatever stop or whatever, on, you know, even with online, mar- online buying, yeah. you may not be able to find it. Because, you know, varieties are going extinct because people aren't growing them and they're not saving seeds. Anyway, once you save your own seed, that seed and that specific line, that heritage, will get used to your climate, and so it will it it normally gets better. I'm not going to say it always does, because if it's something that you probably shouldn't be growing in your climate, it's right. probably not going to do any better. But they acclimate. That's what I'm looking for. They right, acclimate. Right, right. And so next year, hopefully, we'll get some bigger watermelons. Or at least more of the larger ones, because this year, like I said, we, most of them were about personal size. This last one was, I'd say, between 15 pounds, maybe or so. Wow. That's, a, little, that's so now, a good
1: size watermelon, 15 yeah. pounds. That watermelon would cost you $20 in the store.
0: Oh, well, yeah, and that's the thing. We went to, um, we were doing an event with my sister or whatever, and so she says, Bring me a watermelon. And it was like, yeah, it was like 15, 20 bucks. Yeah, and yeah. it was one of those massive ones because we were sharing it. So it was a bunch of yeah. people. So I didn't care. You know, let's get a big one. And my son looks at me and he goes, uh, Dad, I know what we're growing next year. I said, what are we growing? He says, we're growing watermelon. I said, why? He says, because $20 for one watermelon? What the heck? How old's your son? At that point, he was nine. Okay. Um and he and so I'm just realizing at this moment I'm like we did grow that watermelon yeah <laughs> freaking that, loved it that particular
1: one that no
0: that. just watermelons in general okay yeah and so that's the other thing is you want to grow stuff that one you can't get anywhere two that you're just even if you find it you don't get that umami thing that yeah. umami feeling yeah and three you know it, that seed has been climatized to your area
1: yeah, that's the thing about you know. About the uh, having your own garden thing. See, I, I live in a place where I've got a, l- a little, you know, space. Mm-hmm. And I could grow whatever I want to do. Mm-hmm. But I've had such bad luck with golfers. And I, and it's the thing about it is I don't, I don't, I hate putting stuff in the ground because my story is like this. We bought this place a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And I, I put in a bunch of stuff immediately thinking, oh, I'm going to have an orchard. Right and i had uh i think it, i think it was uh i love santa rosa plums. oh. Are, are you have those we have here?
0: i think we yeah. might actually
1: um, i love santa rosa plums. my favorite plum because it's uh it's the skin is thin the there's a that pink layer of, of flesh right. right under the skin. right. and then it gets kind of lighter towards the middle towards the pit. right. and it, it's when you have them perfectly ripe the skin just slides off. Oh. And you get another this little ball of sweet, fleshy, uh, sticky kind of uh, sweet and pungent, really pungent. Oh wow! Uh, f- uh, flavor from the skin. So you get a tart, pungent, flavorful uh, skin. Then you get this, you get this fleshy interior that is. I don't know. It's. It's so good. It's it so reminds
0: me of, of the Longin, because that's that's how the Longins yeah, are the lychees, lychees. Yeah, yeah. Except with those, you don't eat the skin. It's that in that interior, and it's all nice and oh god.
1: <laughs> are you a are you? Was it lychee or lychee? What's
0: the way? Uh, I don't know. I've heard it said both ways. Yeah. Uh I think it's lychee. Yeah. Um, I know some of my viewers, some of my friends in the garden community are probably yelling at us right now. Yeah. This is how you am I? Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, I all
0: I know is it's just delicious.
1: I, I don't know what's right anymore. You know, I think, I, I think see, I'm an older guy. I'm older, and I grew up in a time that doesn't exist anymore, and I'm trying to bring it back. <laughs> and I don't, I don't want to be that old dude that everybody goes, oh, you know, look at Tata over there, you know, complaining about the wind, you know. <laughs> I don't want to be that guy, but you know what? There was some value to the, to the past. Oh, totally. And the current situation with everybody so... Uh, separated by internet and uh, you know opinions, everyone has an opinion, and right. and the thing about it is, is that I think people use opinions to hurt each other. Oh, totally. And, and so I'm like, so you have a choice. You can either indulge them and react to their opinion. Oh, I'm feeling, oh, oh, I'm sorry, right? Or you could go look. You know, f off. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and then a lot a lot of people kind of reside in the middle. Yeah. You know, they're just kind right. of bouncing around like a pinball. Right. But, you know, the thing about it is is—is uh, I don't know how to say lychee or lychee. I don't know which one's official, uh, but I'll say it like this. I mean no disrespect. Oh, totally. If I am saying it incorrectly, oh, totally. I don't I don't mean it in an offensive way. So there it is. Uh, lychee I have no experience with. I don't have any experience with it. Uh, if you said here, do you like to taste it? I don't even know if I've really in, in given it any time.
0: Oh wow! Uh, I did that for my kids and for my mom. I took them to. I went to H Mart in Okay. and I love fruit. I oh yeah! I'm, I think I'm like your dad. I love yeah. my fruit, yeah. Especially the more unique ones. Actually, there's a loquat tree behind you. That those loquats are amazing.
1: I I was a, my my okay. So let me give you some story on me. I, I've been trying to do something new on the interviews, uh-huh. uh, and I and it's called shut up. <laughs> okay, and I just do it because you know what? i I found myself. Going on these long jags, uh, and I'm like, you know what, dude? The listener has heard all about you. Right. They don't need to hear you anymore. <laughs> uh, and uh, you really are here to talk about you. You know right. the guest. Right. You're not. I'm not. You're not here to hear me for the thousandth time. Tell you my opinions on Trump. You know what I mean. I, you <laughs> right. don't want to hear it. So, but I have to give you some backstory, just so you know. Right. 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 My father, uh, my grandfather had a nursery in West LA oh. from thirty four or five to 82 okay wow and uh he had various plots as a matter of fact that my claim to fame <laughs> is my grandfather bought what is now uh olympic boulevard oh wow olympic boulevard and Port- purdue which is right there in west l.a right uh, off of the 405 Oh okay you know, Okay. he bought 250 acres of wow or, of orange grove in, yeah. th- in 34 or five and there's a lot of oranges out there oh uh, it was and they um they they grew up in this orange grove, put a little wow. house there, and then they sold it. I think in the fifties. Oh wow! They sold the nursery and uh, bought a bunch of property all over West LA. But they bought another smaller nursery. Uh, it was still pretty sizable. It took like half of a block. Oh geez! But it was in the heart of like uh, the the neighborhood, right? Uh, yeah. Barrington in Missouri, West LA. So, I I spent a lot of time in, uh, there as a kid. He died in eighty two. Uh, and I was there all the time as a kid. I mean, it was my favorite place to go because it was like I could run around and, and be lost in the in the, in the the nursery uh, for hours. No one even knew where I was. And they had a, a giant, I'd say a, an avocado tree at the height of that palm tree there. Oh, wow. It was an avocado tree that had been there forever and a day. Wow. And I used to sit, I, I used to, my job as a kid, used to be going under the tree and sweeping the leaves, uh, raking the leaves. Oh, right? yeah, they... Yeah, they the, dropped the tons. Tons, yeah. And I remember being pelt. I remember being hit by a couple of avocados in my as a child, you know, just like around the head or right, on right, the yeah. shoulder, you know. But uh, that, that's that is my experience with it, and that's why. I went, and my my grandfather was the nurseryman landscaper. Mm-hmm. My uncle was a landscaper. My dad was an excavator and grader. Uh-huh. He had a dump and a and a, and a tractor.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And uh, I was the only guy. I was an IT guy. So <laughs> I, I stepped away, but uh, I always lo- I used to when I, even when I lived in in uh, West LA in an apartment, uh, the the landlord liked me, so he let me have a bunch of potted plants, oh, and cool. I surrounded the whole pool area with potted plants. Oh, that's right. Nice. Uh, but I I loved it, and I I wanted to do the same thing at my house where I have should have should have a I should have a flourishing garden. With those those rodents under the ground, you, you listen to me, I'm coming for you because i remember putting in a half a dozen of those those uh, plum trees i was telling you about uh, yeah. along this one side of the house thinking i am going to eat plums until i'm sick right never got one oh, never got one and it's between the birds the birds the the squirrels yeah the uh what is it the, the like i said the golfers and and maybe even rabbits okay oh wow uh i i, I they decimated everything i had I, I remember coming home, like I said, the plum trees in there, and I, I'd come home, and, and they were off in the distance, probably as far as, as, far as that pump is over there, probably, oh, wow. what is that? Uh, is that 30, 40 feet? Probably. Yeah. So, let's say 30, 40 feet, right? Uh-huh. They were up there against the fence, and I'd drive into the, to the house in the driveway, and I'd look over, and I'd go, hey, look at my babies. You know, and they were small, and they got, they started to crescendo, right. they probably doubled in height. Right. And I'm going, God, I'm so, I'm so excited. Yeah. I'm so excited, and then one day, I'd be driving in and I'd see the the, the tree and it looked a little funny. how oh, gee. you? know, it, it, it didn't look quite right. I'd go, huh? I gotta get over there. Right. But I, you know, I didn't because it was dark and it nah. So, I said, okay, I'll wait till the weekend. The next day, I'd come back and I look at the tree, and it, and instead of instead of standing straight up as it had the day before, right, it was just tilted. Like that. Just oh, a little bit. Wow. A little bit to the right or the left. Just, just a little lean, you know? Right. And I go, oh, man, what's going on over there? So I go over there eventually, and I, I go grab the thing, uh-huh. right? right? And right. it would just lift out of the ground. Oh, just yes. a, a, a naked root ball. Just a, just a, a, a stump of a tr- of whatever's left over. Wow. And I did this for years, planting all manner of thing. Uh, like you said, I, have a lo- I used to have a loquat tree. I've ha- I, I used to, my favorite uh, fruit as a kid was my, my grandfather. He, he actually implanted one in my house as a boy, uh, a kumquat tree. Oh, I love kumquats, good kumquats. Yes. Good kumquats. yes. Uh, we had, we had an orange tree. We had a lemon tree. We had, I mean, we had, a, we had a, I mean, I could just, oh, my favorite, mm-hmm. pineapple guava. Oh my God. A good pineapple guava, right? Yes. Those, the, the big green husk. And that kind of uh, yellowish, white, kind of inside, and and that sandy kind of gritty up towards the yeah. sort of the rind, but that, that gel- kind of gelatinous looks like a little bit like snot. Sorry.
0: Yeah. No, it is.
1: Uh, with the seed where the seeds are, it's kind of like a jelly.
0: Right. Right. right.
1: <sighs> this tree on the side of my house as a boy had uh, a place for me to sit in the tree.
0: <laughs> just and, in there eating.
1: Uh, dude, I would just sit in the tree and I would <laughs> just shake the the shake the the stalk, you know, uh-huh. and they would fall. And they were the, they were usually probably these were were maybe 2 to 3 inches long. Yeah. Probably all right. inch inch to 2 inches round. Right. And they were just
0: <sighs> I had a friend in uh, Pacific Palisades and she had I want to say one or two and she planted them in her parkway I went over to go visit her for something it, uh, just a sec just to swing by and she goes you want some pineapple guavas oh. I'm like I've heard of them yeah and so she had a couple five gallon buckets where she had picked a bunch of them five gallons five gallon buckets she had two or three of them it was it had turned when she planted it was basically like a twig but at this point it was this like massive bush thing and she goes you want some pineapple guavas? I said, you're going to give me a bag so I can grab, you know, maybe a dozen? She goes, no, just, she says, just take the bucket. Yeah. I said, you sure? She goes, she goes, look at the tree. It's full. And I'm like, okay. She goes, hold on. Have you never had it? And I went, no.
1: Boy, that was. A good and I hate.
0: was like, I was like, no, I've never had it. And she goes, hold on. So she went inside. She grabbed a knife. She cut it up. She grabbed a spoon and literally just scooped it out. I ate it, and I was like, oh. oh. buddy, boy. So when you were explaining that just yeah, now, yeah. it took me back to that first moment Dude. I tried it. I was like, oh. So I'm getting a new raised bed. Yeah. I'm going to put it along the wall. And so I've been in the back of my mind trying to figure out what to put in it. And... Because of the berries, I was thinking, well, maybe blueberries. The only thing is, they need acidic soil, like asparagus. Okay. Is. Okay. And so I'm like, well, if I'm gonna grow blueberries in there, they they grow year round. They're fine, but do I really need? I think the bed's gonna be like eight feet long. I was like, do I really need eight feet of blueberries? Yes. No. So now I was like, well, my mom wants a persimmon tree.
1: Persimmons. A uh, persimmon is a uh, that smooth skin, orange orange skin, right?
0: Yes. Um, and so then I was like, and so then pineapple guava came to mind. I kid you not, like a week ago. I was like, I could squeeze one in there. I could have it, keep it pruned, and so now that you bring it up, I go, damn! Now I gotta find a pan of guava, dude.
1: And and the thing about it, too is that you get, if you get guava not guava. See, guava in what in America, when someone says guava, they mean that horrendous thing <laughs> that smells like like a smells like a rotten toe in the kitchen. Okay, my it has a strong scent. Yes, my abuelita used to have them in a bowl, and she'd pick them green or whatever. And she'd leave them sit on the on the table. Right. And they would turn this bright yellow. Yeah. And it had this kind of pinkish interior.
0: Oh, I, I love those. those. Those are probably my favorite. Really? Ones. Yeah. Okay. So uh, aside from the pineapple guava, yeah. that's probably my second favorite.
1: Okay. So did you go did, but the smell didn't put you off?
0: On the pineapple guava no, or no regular, no, no on regular guava? On regular guava? No. Um That's what did it for me. That's no, what killed it. No. Um I understand. It's I think it's kind of like a the asian fruit durian like yeah. you're to like it or you don't okay okay and yeah. so i think that's what it is but guava my like, yeah it has a scent but the flavor to me like just over like it puts it above and beyond i'm like no this is fantastic
1: now when you're eating it does it have any of that stink do you get the stink
0: oh or? does it stink transfer to the flavor not really okay so you not can, for me
1: so you can have the you can eat it and be fine
0: me? Oh, totally. Okay. I can sit there like you with the Waterman. I can sit there and eat a bowl of them. Okay. So, I did that with that five-gallon bucket. I ate like half that bucket in like a day or two. No,
1: you didn't. <laughs> yes. So two and a half gallons of... Gua- Dude.
0: Pineapple goblins. I was sitting there, you know, with the bucket between my legs. Uh, I don't remember, I don't remember who, I, who I was with at that time, but they came over and they're like, are you need that whole five-gallon bucket? I'm like, no, I'm going to eat a good amount of them. And I think she tried them, and I don't remember, think she liked it. I said, no, this is... Once I well, at first I had told her it was guava, and because of that, you know, everybody knows that horrible stink of regular guava. She was kind of put off by it, but then she tastes. She goes, "Okay, this isn't bad." I said, "This is fantastic." What are you talking about? There's something wrong with you.
1: Well, you know, I'm gonna, because you said that, and because you said the the stink does not necessarily transfer to the taste, I'm going to have to retry them.
0: Not for me now. And what's that? I said, "Not not for me." The ones I want to get into are papayas. Okay. Like I want to get into papayas, but like. I don't know. In that case, I think the smell transfers to the meat for me. And so, like, I know and I've tried different varieties of them. Although there's really, as far as I know, there's only, like, a few left. Um, I've tried the Mexican one and I've tried the Hawaiian one. And I'm like, no. Really? My mom, my mom loves them. But I'm just like, no.
1: See, for me, the, the papaya is, uh, it's slimy. You know, the ones that I've had. And and those, and I don't, Yeah.
0: I don't think for me it's the uh, the sliminess. I think it's just the flavor itself.
1: Uh, yeah, I don't know. I I haven't. I'm not a fan of them either. And I think I've had it in a drink, like when you like a like a, they have a what do they call it like a margarita? Oh, like that. Yeah. I've had it like that, and it wasn't terrible. Maybe it was the tequila kind of <laughs> offsetting, <laughs> offsetting the, it, yeah. or maybe it, maybe it cauterized the wound. <laughs> but I'm telling you, I yeah, I'm not a papaya guy. Um, yeah, so watermelon. Any kind of melon, pretty much. Honeydews. I love a good honeydew. The Honeydew, man. You know, when you get that green flesh, and it's tangy and sweet. I just yeah. haven't had a good one.
0: Funny you should mention that one. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of it, but somebody at work brought one in to the office, I think Thursday or Friday. And he brought it over, and I kind of went, ah, oh, damn it, honeydew. I said, okay. Like, I wanted it, because you're right. I want that refreshed... That refresh feeling and like I want it because it's a melon, and I love melons. And so I said, okay, fine. So I took a big old slice and I started eating it, and it was probably one of the best honeydews I've ever had. Yeah, see, because it was perfectly ripe. Because usually, again, they pick stuff that's before it's ripe, so when you get to it, it doesn't have the full flavor profile as you picking it yourself. You know what? Let's
1: let's talk about that for a minute. Um, you said they pick them early, and yes. I and I understand they also gas them. Yes, they do. So, okay, so do you know much about the gas and what the what – I, mm-hmm. I know it's to kill off any bugs or uh, whatever, bacteria on the
0: surface of the skin, I guess. But that can't be good for us. That part of it, I don't okay. – I haven't really looked into it. I know they do it for that reason, and I know to help them ripen faster.
1: Okay. Yeah, okay. And you know what? Uh, <laughs> the uh, honeydew – the honeydew. The honeycrisp honey apple I was talking about earlier. Mm. Did we say it on the show? I don't remember. No, um, we
0: did. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: The honeycrisp apple – that apple right there is so good and when you get them when you get them perfectly ripe yeah. not overripe or damaged you know you know oddly enough trader joe's uh-huh. those guys uh, they do so well on so many things but i have where I, at least the trader joe's i go to they don't do well with fruit
0: man they don't i actually noticed that like you bring them home and after like a few days like the stuff is already going bad
1: yeah I, I, but they, they do so well on the rest of it yeah it's, it's, it's kind of mind boggling. And even when you buy the, oh, you know what really bummed me out? They, they charge a little less for the Honeycrisp's, right? Uh-huh. They have good size Honeycrisp. The, the, the caliber is good, uh, the right. size, everything's good. But they don't t- the, the way they handle them, I don't think I've found one that doesn't have a bruise on it. <laughs> when I go to buy at Trader Joe's, listen, Trader Joe's, <laughs> if, if you're listening, anybody who works at Trader Joe's in management and, and can figure this out, please. Help us figure this out, because you know what? I don't have the luxury of having a, a community garden close to home, because if I did, I think I'd be, I'd be at one of these growing some plums and other stuff. But I'll tell you, that Honeycrisp, that is the best apple, and I don't understand how you could, how could you besmirch? <laughs> how, how could you handle those babies the way you do? They're, they're awful. They're bruised up and banged up, little cuts in them, and they look terrible.
0: And that's the issue. And that's why a lot of most of the stuff that you find in the grocery stores, it doesn't have a lot of flavor because they're growing for um, travel, travel, and that's really all it is. And so that's why you don't get the, um, that's why you don't get it. And so they found, I don't remember what variety of tomato it is. um, They found the gene that controls the coloring. And so they mess with the genes. And so people are like, great, it's a nice, bright red tomato because certain tomatoes have, they call them green shoulders. Okay. And so they're green, but the tomato is ripe. It's perfectly delicious. But anyway, they found the gene that takes away those green shoulders. So it has like the little ring, g- green ring around the top. Yeah. Anyway, so they found the gene. They fix. they quote unquote fixed it or changed it to make it fully red. But that's also the same gene that messes with flavor. So you have a perfect looking tomato that doesn't taste like a damn thing.
1: <laughs> you know, I, my son is a uh, tomato freak. Okay, when he w- I had, this is a story I have on him when he was a little boy, we, we moved into our previous house, uh-huh. and we I would take him you know because he's a little baby, you know one or two, and we'd go walking around the backyard and we'd look at plants, look at the trees, and guy hey, what's that, and he'd go touch the water and I remember one time we I had just put in a whole the side of the house, I put a bunch of gravel, mm-hmm. like one inch or a three quarter inch gravel mm-hmm. uh, so it be so we could keep the weeds down, yeah, but somewhere in there. Uh, some random tomato started growing.
0: Oh, yeah, they grow anywhere.
1: And my son, this little baby, walks over there, and he goes, mm, mmm, mmm, like this. And he points, and then he says, uh, so I said, oh, let me get you one. Let me, you ever tried these? Yeah, of course he hadn't, but he wanted to try it. So I, I picked it off the tree, I, I wiped it on my shirt, <laughs> gave it a good blow like that, and I handed it to him, and, I, said, and I, I tell you right now, the way you were talking about earlier, when you tasted the guava, his like he looked like a, he looked like a uh, what do they call it, a slot machine? You know what I mean when you pull the handle and all the the dials go around. Right. That's how his eyes looked. Yep. He I, it was like the moment of exploration. He was like, "What is that?
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> give me more. I want more of that." My younger one here at the community garden, I grew three tomato plants this year, and every time we would come over, because these weren't again going back to these weren't getting that much water so these so if you don't water the tomatoes they start taking they they get more flavorful just because they're going they're drying out so that's why you don't want to pick tomatoes after like a rain or after watering because they suck up a lot of water and so they get really watery and so these were a lot more flavorful than the ones at home because the ones at home i have on a drip system yeah and i water them every day because i have not just tomatoes i've got a mix of stuff yeah yeah and so i can't like Sep, sep, uh, separate them or split them off. Anyway, every time we would come here, he would go over and like because I only had two or three varieties here: green zebra and a and a yellow one, a jubilee, golden jubilee, yeah, big yellow one, freaking amazing. My a mom asked, toma- "Wait, yellow tomato?" Yellow tomato. Good, golden jubilee. Hmm. My mom liked this so much. She goes, "Where did you grow that one?" I said, "That was at the farm. At the we call it, we call it the farm, because it's not the one at home." And so she says, "Okay, how do we grow more of this?" so I showed her how to save tomato seeds. Uh, but anyway, so my son, when he come, when I would come over with them on those weekends, he would go up to the tomatoes and with the green zebras, like I said earlier, it's green stripes. But once they're ripe, one, they get a little softer. But then you also see like the yellow coming through. Yeah. I showed him how to take them off the plant. And I said, if it doesn't come off easily, it's not ripe. And so he figured it out. And so now... As- hey, wait,
1: well, let, me, let me stop you there.
0: Say that again. If it's if it's not, it doesn't come off easily. It's not ripe. It's not ripe. Okay. Like you were saying earlier about the avocados. Yeah, the f- plants and the trees tell us when the food is ready by letting them go by dropping them. Ah. Granted, there are some that will rot on the tree. Like my sister has a fig tree, so right. some of those some of those rot on there. I think part of that is is because she has, like you mentioned earlier, about the birds and stuff. Yeah, they'll start picking at them, and so then that's why. But
1: oh, is that is that saying that they're ripe?
0: That's saying that they're ripe. So when the stuff starts coming off and it, you know, you basically just go over with tomatoes, you just essentially just twist them and they come right off.
1: You know what, man? You just taught me two things that I never knew in in one second. I'm baffled by what you just said. That makes so much sense. You know what? I I don't think I've had a fruit tree long enough to to, (laughs) survive for me to have gotten to the point where I needed to know that. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Okay. So... Uh, which one of these rigs over here is yours? We're uh, we're looking at a field here. Uh, what is it? What size is this thing? This is, this is probably four thousand square feet, maybe. I think so.
0: Yeah, think give or a, take. It's a stand. I think it's like a standard residential lot, four to five thousand. Yeah,
1: and we're looking at a bunch of these little uh, uh, raised beds and and beds on the ground. We see. I see a. let see. Is that a uh, fig tree over? No. Yes.
0: Yeah, so there's a fig tree. Yeah. Straight ahead there. Yeah. There's another fig tree over where the banner is. So there's a two different varieties of figs. Um, And then on that same side, we're putting in, because, again, this is a new, we haven't even been here a year. Uh, They're putting um, a beehive over there to help uh, pollinate. So the plots themselves here, depending on which community garden you are with, whether it's Long Beach or wherever you are, they're going to have different size beds. So uh, the raised beds here, these are for seniors and for um, people with disabilities. And, you know, that way they are not to bend over as much. So it's, so it's there. The standard ones for this plot or for this font garden are 10 by tens. So you ran out the 10 by 10 square yeah. And then on the other side of the raised beds here, between the fig, between the raised beds and that fig tree straight ahead, yeah that's all a, that's a the giving garden. So we just planted that. Some of the guys uh, they came through they did a pickaxe, they picked axe rows for us. We came in later that day, put down some good soil, a few inches of it, and then planted. Um, And so then we have volunteers that come from, for Long Beach, uh, Cal State Long Beach. And so they go around to all the gardens, pick that produce and take it to the pantry at the college.
1: And so what did you call that garden over there? That's the giving garden. And obviously it has, you're giving it away. So how
0: how does that program work? Uh, Well, basically, uh, so for the community gardens, we have, I'm assuming the majority of the same way, you have to do community hours. So, you know you come in, you weed the the pathways, you help put mulch down in the pathways. One of the things is you know whatever the project is, here we've had so many projects just because we're so new. but once you kind of get settled in um, this last week, this last work day community work day, they prepared the soil for us, they prepared the area for us, and so that's all part of just running it. Uh, I, with the person that actually grew all the plants, uh, friend Kate, she grew all the plants, we put them all in, and so now we're alternating. We have a schedule of who comes in on what day, you know, seven days a week, just to water and just to kind of maintain. And then there's a whole other group of people just from Long Beach Organic. Uh, I think it's two or three people. They go around to the different, nine different gardens and harvest whatever's ready. And then they take it over to Cal State Long Beach. I don't know if they donate to other institutions or groups or whatnot but they donate them and so these are for the this is for the pantry at cal state long beach for the students that live in the dorms
1: okay so the from here they take it to the college and they put it where
0: they have uh, i don't know the exact name for but it's basically like a it's like a mini grocery store for them oh okay so i i believe they donate them the students wow. or they might buy them at a cheaper price right um but that's, that's mainly what that was for. We just flipped that. Um, we just planted those uh, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Okay. And what's over there? Uh, It's all your winter crops. We have lettuces. We have kale. We have cabbages. Onions. I think we even put into fava beans. Uh, some beets. Uh, cauliflower. Broccoli. You know, all the stuff yeah. that you normally see. I mean then that, then that's the thing I was going to say that's the stuff that you, know, you normally see in the grocery store, but in the grocery store, you see tomatoes year round, even though tomatoes don't grow year round because right. it's in a hothouse right so growing your own helps you eat with the seasons and so and that's what right. your body needs. you don't want to eat tomatoes in December- i mean okay, you want to eat tomatoes in December, but your body doesn't necessarily eat tomatoes in in December, but that's why people you know have learned to preserve oh, and made. And you know, and they 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 have different ways of preserving stuff. That's my next thing is to learn how to preserve. Or what you can also do is what I've done uh, a previous garden, not this one, uh, a couple of houses ago. I had a I have a I had a neighbor across the street that was a chef. My whole front yard was my full garden. It kind of freaked out the neighbors a little at first, um, but I would go through and like harvest whatever, and we would eat. You know, we would separate out our portion and then I would go around and like leave. Uh, if you're a gardener, and you've been in the street. you know, those flats, those 10 by 10 yeah, black yeah, flats. Yeah, I had a bunch of those because I would always buy six packs of them. So I would load those up and drop them off in front of neighbor's porches, you know, oh, like wow. ding dong ditch. But yeah, here's, yeah, your, yeah. here's your groceries here's your, for a
1: week. Here's your presents.
0: And so the neighbor across the street, I would leave her a ton of stuff and so she was a chef. And so she would text me. She goes, what the hell did you leave on my porch? I said... And so, like, I would tell her what it was, like, the purple ones or this. So she would send me pictures. Uh, I don't know what this is. Is this so-and-so? And I'm like, yeah, that's what that is. Well, I've never seen it this color. I said, well, because it, it grew literally across the street from your house. I said, but that's what that is. And so she would start preserving stuff, and she would cook it because she's a chef. And, you know, many chefs like to experiment, or most of them do. Yeah. And so... I said, you know, I'll give you a, bu- a, a bucket of tomatoes. Can you make me some tomato sauce? I said, I'll get you the jars if you want. And in order for your quote unquote payment or your work, your swap, yeah. you're the one doing the cooking. I'm going to, you know, out of that bucket, you get to keep half the bucket. Just all I want back is like maybe four or five jars of tomato sauce. I don't care what you do with the rest of the tomatoes. That's on you. And so she would get tomatoes out of it for her labor in the kitchen. And then I would get the tomatoes for growing them.
1: Sounds like a good deal,
0: and so I would just like randomly, and I would just text her, "Hey, I left you a present."
1: <laughs> Man, that sounds like a good deal.
0: Uh, you know, uh,
1: I wish I lived closer to you. <laughs> uh, I'd figure out wait, we should trade. Uh, the I'm 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 still reeling from the information at the beginning. You're saying now, tell me about this philosophy about seasonal,
0: like you Oh, eat, <laughs> that you meant the, the the fruit part.
1: Well, no, the the part about where you uh, your body. Shouldn't be eating certain things. I mean, eat with the seasons. Right. What's that theory?
0: Exactly that. So in the summer, you're eating everything that fruits, tomatoes, cucumbers, peppers, all that kind of stuff.
1: And that's what that's what you should. I mean, melons. Your, that's your what, body.
0: Your body. Yeah, because in the in the summer we grow all the melons. You know, all that liquid, yeah. especially watermelons. Yeah. That's what you need you need all that liquid to keep you hydrated okay in the winter you're going to need your squashes so that's when you have all your squash soups your pies I mean you, you can make pies all, all throughout the year of whatever berries in the summer but um, in the winter that's you know and that's 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 what you got to eat and that's what they were doing and so with the misnomer with winter squash is that you grow it in the winter no, you don't because in the winter you can't grow. Okay, depending on where you are, you might be able to. But the squash need that full, you know, full day of sun in order to create those giant squash. So in the winter, you have something because there's not a lot of food. There's not a lot of stuff growing. That squash is really filling and really nourishing for you, your body, your soul, and everything. And who doesn't like a nice hot soup on a cold winter day?
1: She you know what I just had the other night. My uh, uh, my wife's tia Rosa is in town from uh, León, Guanajuato, uh-huh. and she the other night she made she made my favorite dish, sopes. Oh. And she makes uh, handmade sopes, and she pinches the edge to oh, make right. a little little edge around the edge there, and then she pinches the middle to keep, so it holds has little a little. Groove to hold the the toppings. Right. I get over there and I was hungry as nobody's business. <laughs> and she had six sopes all prepared for me. Oh, and she man. had fresh fresh beans. She had uh, crumbled like cotija, and uh, what was it? There was some purple onion, something else. And then and then as a kicker from the night before, mm-hmm. she had pozole. Oh my god! And this lady right here. Shout out to Tia Rosa. This lady she, she's a whirlwind. She's a whirlwind. See, I like I like I like big kitchen knives. I have a, a collection of knives. And I go to over there and I said, "Hey, you know what? Uh, do you want to try my knife cuz she, you know, she's not really particular, you know. And I so as long
0: as it does the job. Yeah, well, who cares? She well, this is
1: what I find out was crazy. She doesn't use a cutting board. She picks it up with her hand and cuts it in her hand. Oh yeah. And I'm like Yeah, my mom does a similar stuff. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just, so anyway, the pozole was off the chain. Oh, my God. It was off the chain. And the the sopes, I mean, they were equally good, the both. But, like, okay. so I had five of the sopes. And I'm thinking to myself, you know what? I am done. I'm done. I would have been good after, like, three. Uh, Well, I should have been. That was the problem. But I hadn't hadn't eaten. So he told me, I I got the message she was going to be there making sopes for me. Oh, and and wow. they said as earlier in the day at uh-huh. about 11. And so I said, I'm going to eat something now so that I don't get in trouble, you know, right, right. and stop off to McDonald's, uh-huh. you know. So I I don't eat a thing. Oh, jeez. And I get over there and I'm, I'm kind of tired from the drive because it was two hours. Oh, wow. And I was like, it was about eight o'clock. And I was like, I don't really, you know, I'm just going to have something to drink and that's it. She pulls out these sopes that were for me. She had a, 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 a towel covered, like maybe 30 of them in there. Oh, wow. And uh, she had them, and so she cooks them and then she reheats them again to give them a little bit of that Maillard on the little browning right, on right. there. And she made a set of three and gave them to me, mm-hmm. and I just gobbled them. Oh, wow! I, every bite was so good. So she says, I said, you know what? Let me have a couple more. So three. I was like, a couple. She said three. Okay, <laughs> so I had them there. Most ones are like that. <laughs> yeah, and I had I had two more, and I just said I can't finish the fifth one, the uh, sixth one, can't. So I'm I'm laying back, going, oh my god, this is so good. I'm and not getting up. I'm yeah, staying here. Yeah. I'm gonna have a coma right now. Right. And then she pulls out the bucket of pozole. Oh, come on! And it had big chunks of meat, and the the broth was red and spicy and warmed up, and it, it was the, the 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 meats just falling apart inside, but still together, and it's all fatty and gelatinous, and and the the. I'm gonna have
0: to go get some pozole after this. Yeah, yeah. Do you know a good spot to around here to get? I'm it? I'm trying to think. I'm Mom's like house. <laughs> well we're 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 not Mexican we're Colombian, but uh the closest yeah. thing I can think of is and technically it's a chain but Supermax. okay um i've heard good things about patricia's over on atlantic okay um and then also i don't know if they have pozole though um what what's the equivalent thereof in in for what, colombians yeah, yeah um and i've had the discussion with other people it's like every every culture every Country has yeah. like their own pozole. Yeah, uh, for us it would probably be sancocho. Sancocho.
1: Now, what does that mean exactly?
0: It's basically is that just a name. I, honestly, I don't know what the okay. meaning is behind it, but it's kind of like you know caldo de res or caldo okay. de pollo. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just basically just liquid with, you know, we put in. I don't like yuca, but she puts in yuca, potatoes. Oh, yeah. uh, you don't like yuca? No. Yeah, it's it. Yeah. I I like the. Ju- See, the only way I've liked it is when you know they make they cut them up and make yuca fries. Yeah, yeah, that's got- really it. But yeah. no, she like boils it in with the soup. I'm like, no. So she knows not to give me any. I'm like, give me all the potatoes, yeah. but I will not have the yuca. I don't know if it's just the stringiness of the yuca or the flavoring. Yeah, it's
1: both. It's both. You know, uh, I the only time I have, I had some at Versailles, mm. the Versailles restaurant over in L.A. Mm. And I saw, and I, then again I saw uh, Sofia Vergara eat them in that movie Chef.
0: I haven't seen that. Yeah, one.
1: you got to see that one. That's it's old now, but uh, that movie. And of course, you know, that, what's better than Sofia Vergara eating papa <laughs> oh no wait, uh what's that? Yuca frita. Yuca frita. Yeah. What what is better? <laughs> Nothing. So, uh yeah.
0: Yeah. Hmm.
1: I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan really that much. I don't even like plantains that much. Don't tell anybody. Shh. I don't <laughs> mm. Yeah. You know,
0: I like them. Do you? Yeah, depend, and depending on which country, they, they call them different things, and they prepare them differently. Uh, but in Colombia, we call them patacones. Uh, patacones. Puerto Ricans and Cubans call them tostones. Yeah. Or then you get the sweet ones where, you know, you don't flatten them out. You yeah. just, like, slice them and throw them in the oil. Yeah. Um, Or you can eat them with sofrito. Okay. Which is also fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Well,
1: you know, the... Uh I have see I have to revisit certain things see because I got burned as a kid, <laughs> my uh, my mother used to make uh, cream of wheat, for for the kids.
0: I don't think I ever really had. Cream You're not of wheat. missing
1: anything. <laughs> it's uh, it's oatmeal, yes, but not cream of wheat. Cream of wheat, well, to me, the way my mom made it, she made it with water. And if anybody knows cream of wheat, it's, it has water and grain. It's nothing. It's mush. It's <laughs> porridge. Okay, so I go, uh, I go through my whole youth saying, no, no, nunca, <laughs> right? So then I meet my, my now wife, and I go to her house, and her mom they, they have me over there. You know the investigatory, let's right. see who this guy is. Right, right. And the m- mom, her mom busts out this bucket of uh, cream of wheat, but she does it the most decadent, unhealthy way possible. That's the like, only way to do it. He, you know, but she also makes a good... Uh, uh, Arroz con leche is oh. a good one. But the uh this cream of wheat, she put uh condensed milk, Ooh. regular milk, Ooh. a boatload of sugar, I think a pad of butter, and and then she she smooth she uh, dilutes it so that instead of it being a porridge that can stand up on its own, right. like a pile of mashed potatoes, right. it's more like a very thin soup. Uh. you know, so you Okay. So then T- t- here's the kicker, okay? I I, I, Venice in, I come from the west side of L.A., and when I was a boy, my, uh, fr- a friend of the family worked at Pioneer Sourdough, and that was on Ooh. Rose Avenue in Venice, and they still sell it in the store, you know, okay. the Pioneer. And I go to their house trying to, you know, do, trying to be, uh, you know, trying to be the, the good guy, you right. know, trying to pretend I'm a nice person. So I'm over there got my best. You know, I, I, I'm dressed to the nines, trying to be, oh yes. Hi. You want to try some cream of wheat? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, sure.
0: So she We've g- it all done that. <laughs>
1: yeah. She gives me that bowl, and on the table, she has uh, pineapple chunks, right? Ooh. Uh, like a, like a little tiny pineapple chunks uh-huh. out of the can. You know, the ones that are in the juice. Oh. And she has them sitting there, and then she has... Uh, sourdough, buttered sourdough toast. Uh-huh. And and the kind that I like, which is the one where you brown it, instead of just toasting it, I want it a little brown. Yeah. And it's and it's just slathered with butter. Oh, dude. Then you take the pineapple and you put it in the cream of wheat on top, right? So not every bite gets it. Right. And then you take the sourdough. And
0: you dip it in. And
1: you dip it in there. Oh. And then you take the spoon and you, you bathe it across there because it's liquidy. Right. You bathe it across that golden toast with that sweet pineapple. (sighs) It's probably why we're married. (laughs) Just had our 28th anniversary. Congratulations on that one. Yeah, uh, 35 together. Wow. Yeah. So let's see where that's going. Uh, But that was, and also, also shout out to anybody from Leon, Guanajuato. I know that they probably are uh, are tired of hearing the story, but Otilia, my Uh mother-in-law, she makes... Uh, what i found out is uh enchiladas potato enchiladas have you ever had this
0: i've had chicken but not potato
1: she t- they take the the red salsa like the las palmas like right, red right. chili right, but they right. make their own
0: and of she, course. she she, she
1: <laughs> yeah <of course. laughs> that's yeah. The only way you should do it that's it that's it so she takes that and she takes uh she boils the potatoes and quarters them and it gets right. to be kind of a slurry not a slurry but it's soft, very soft, little yeah, yeah. quartered things. Right. And she takes that chili and she puts it in there and stirs Uh-oh. it. So you got that chili and potato inside. And then she takes the tortilla and she b- fries it a little and bathes it in, the, in that same chili. Uh-huh. And then puts the potatoes in the middle. And, and then she, she serves that on a ear of romaine lettuce. Don't ask me where it came from, but it came from the gods, okay? Because you get this ear of this crispy ear of green crunch, Right. With the enchilada in the middle. And then she ta- she takes the... I think it's... Is it queso fresco? No, no, it's not queso frero. It's got to be cotija. Probably. She crumbles that and she uh, she takes a scallion. Very thinly sliced scallion. And oh. she mixes it with that together. And she puts that as a garnish. You sliced. need that
0: sweetness out of that scallion, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. And then she serves it with this very, very thin, almost watery red salsa. Uh-huh. But it just... Gives it a little spice, a little moisture, and it's got just a lot of flavor, but it's not super spicy. And then she serves it with rice. Uh-huh. Oh, and then crema. Crema to kind of drizzle over the top. Does she give you a bed to take a nap on after that? Well, the, the, luckily for me, the, the room that I sleep in is just off the kitchen. <laughs> so I'm right close. I don't need, you know, I'm just a walk. You're like, you know, I'm
0: like 10 feet away. <laughs> I yeah. can make it.
1: I mean, I can actually, I hit the bathroom on the way because it's right between the kitchen <laughs> and the bedroom. I stop off, I make a deposit, and then I head off into my lullaby <clears throat> right there. I'm almost <laughs> asleep as I'm leaving the restroom. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. So uh, how are we doing on time? Oh, we're good. Yeah. Okay. So uh, you, tell me, just give me the high sign. But uh, yeah, man. So th- when I came here, when I, when I saw you online, I, I, was, I was saying, you know, we're not talking about food necessarily we could but i i have done a show recently with uh all different types of people from the from the food related arena mm-hmm. uh people who work in uh, liquor people who work in uh i actually went to this uh, uh beef grower a few years ago shout out to flying f ranch
0: oh uh, i do i know, you know of them, them. Uh, i have a friend on instagram uh amanda she i think she just went to go visit them too really recently that's awesome she gets there I don't know how much it is, but it's like a box of like all different cuts. Of oh, meat. really? Yeah. I got to
1: do that. I got to, Allie Fender. and Yeah. I Allie remember Fend- it was Allie. Yeah. And uh, they, they, I interviewed them a few years ago. Oh, yeah? And cool. at their place. Okay. I want to tell you this story. And I, I don't want you to listen to the show <laughs> because it was my first quote unquote interview. Okay? <laughs> oh, wow. So I stepped all over these people. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I was just, they're talking and I'm already talking ba bah ba ba ba. shut <laughs> up. Okay. <laughs> but uh, I was like. Let the people talk, <laughs> but you know what? And of course, I, it was hindsight right. because I it was my oh, first 2020. It was my first interview, right? And I was so excited to be there. Mm. Okay, I, you know, you should, if you want me, you should turn that. See, so the, the sun's not on your legs. are No,
0: okay. the the legs are fine. It's okay. just the uh, because it's a wooden bench. Oh, okay, that's why.
1: So, I, I we went out to their place. Right. They have this great, great piece of land, uh-huh. and it has its own little lake. Oh and wow. So we okay. So these people, salt of the earth. The first of all, they had us over their place, their house, their home. Right. And they have two. They had two little boys, and they're archers. All of them are archers. Oh wow! And they have you know targets outside. The boys are outside in the driveway shooting their arrows. Little little kids, and they have like fifty head of Angus, and they invited us into their home, and Ali, put on the spread. (laughs) Oh wow! Okay.
0: Uh make me want to go now.
1: You need to go. No, I'll, t- <laughs> I'll tell you why. Because uh I wish I could remember his name. Allie's husband is a hunter and he and he had deer. Oh uh no no sorry, venison. Yeah. Which is, which is deer, yeah. Yeah. But it's the backstrap. Allie took this and roasted the backstrap and cut it into these perfectly pink edge-to-edge medallions. Oh. They were perfectly round. Nearly, and they had they were it was cooked to perfection. I don't know if Ali has ever worked in the kitchen or done it professionally, but she is she is a chef. And not, I mean, I don't know if she was trained uh, officially, but she is a chef. She had a fresh uh, uh, sourdough that she'd baked in the morning yeah. under a towel. With uh, she even churned her own butter. She she had this this little garden salad. It's like something you'd find like a a spring mix. Yeah. And she had it was fresh tomatoes, really light dressing, and she took uh, waxy potatoes, quartered them, and uh, pan pan fried them, roasting in beef tallow. Okay. So the edge of these things are crisp. They're perfectly cooked. the The backstrap is perfectly cooked. The salad was a great compliment. And the sourdough was off the hook. Okay. Because I, I just I it was such a pleasure. It was an absolute pleasure. They they spoiled us. Okay. Because I, I that is the, one of the top three meals of my life. Oh wow. So Ali Fender, if you're out there listening to this show, I don't think you do, but if you if you hear this, you put on the top three meals
0: of my life. Oh okay. wow! I'm gonna have to send that to Amanda. And be like, can you forward this over to your to your ranch guys? That way, Allie can hear this. <laughs> you you need to go. You need to go out there because okay. okay. So
1: they have they have us for lunch, then the, they put us in their Land Cruiser and they take us off about I don't know 100 yards from the house, and we're on this and we're in this little ravine. So you like a it's like a maybe maybe five acres of grass. Oh wow! Just green grass, kind of on a hill. Right. And it kind of goes down into this gully and then it comes up the other side. Right. And on the other side, uh, probably a uh, 100 yards, there was a, a lake, okay? A little pond or a little lake on the property. Most picture I felt like I was in the sound of music, okay? I just wanted to go twirling on the uh hills are alive with the you know, I just wanted to be spinning like uh like uh, what is it? Judy, Judy not Judy Garland. Uh, um what is
0: her Julie name? Julie Andrews.
1: Julie Andrews. Okay. I just wanted to be, uh, I felt like I was on a picturesque uh, hillside in, in Holland. Okay. And, and off in the distance are 50 head of the most beautiful young Angus. Oh, wow. They're just there in the distance, kind of drinking over there by the pond. And her husband goes out there in front of the truck and goes, he makes a sound. Don't, don't, I can't make the sound. <laughs> it was like, ooh, like- ah, ooh, or something. And the animals hear him. And they start meandering in a, in a single file line oh, wow. over to where we are, and I'm going, wow, look at that! So they come over with their wet noses and they're sniffing us, poking. We we got to pet them. They came right up to us. Oh wow! So many were surrounding me. I thought I was actually going to get crushed. <laughs> it was, but it was so fun. It was the greatest afternoon. And if you if you have a chance to go to Fly and Def and meet those people, you are in for a treat. Okay. Uh-huh. And besides that fact, she, I think she has her own garden too. That lady's involved in all types of different al- agriculture, and her kids are fantastic boys, uh, you know, those rough and tumble types. Right. Uh, they, they're in, involved in mom and dad's business, and the husband's a great guy. I wish I remembered his name. Anyways, if you get a chance to go to Flying Neff, you got to go. Right. And, and as Matt, I just missed, they had, uh, they had a uh, uh, meal. Like the, uh, an invitation to the farm?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: I don't remember what the, what it cost, but I'm sure it was worth it.
0: Well, if I'm, it's one of your top three meals of your life, then yeah, I would dude, say so.
1: Dude, dude. But don't go listen to the show. Don't, man. I was terrible. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I was worse than I am now, you know? So, but look, let's talk about this place, if you, you know, because uh, I don't think I, I asked you. Where, where's your where's your rig?
0: So, see the plot right here? The second one in with the pink bags? Yeah so if you go towards the left yeah it's going to be the one with the uh with the walls up there the that have the wrapping around it okay so i have those are two by twos i dropped them into some two gallon pots concreted the pots that way they're concreted in because we're not supposed to attach anything to the wood that makes up the plot itself yeah so these are freestanding and so i just wrapped it on with netting wow and okay. I've grown all kinds of stuff on there already in like the six months. We grew cucumbers, tomatoes, and watermelons just growing up those. Right in that little spot? Right in, Yeah, right around the plot. And how big, is your, how big is your plot? These are 10 by 10. So 10 feet by 10 feet. You can design it however you want. Okay, look, so do me a
1: favor. Tell me, me and, and the people who will be listening, what, can, what kind of harvest, how much can you expect if you're working this thing, doing it properly? Mm-hmm. What what can you expect? Can you I mean on on a harvest level? Are I mean by a ten by ten? In my mind, when I think of a garden, I think of this massive. I mean this whole this whole forty foot thing would be a garden, and that's why I usually go. I spread myself too thin. I put you know I don't put enough. I don't put enough plants that are that should go together. You know the one that protects this one protects that oh, one.
0: the the companion planting. I honestly. So as far as companion planting, the only ones I go with are usually like in the summer we try and do marigolds or all those zinnias are really easy to grow. I probably should do marigolds because they are more beneficial. Just the smell of the marigolds keeps certain bugs away. Okay. Um, and then in the winter we do calendulas. Calendulas you can dry for tea, you can use them for bombs, you balms, um, they're edible. Calendula? Calendulas. Wow. Um, but as far as going back to the question, um, so at home I have raised beds and it equates to about the same size as a 10 by 10 so we've been we've been this year for some reason i guess it's just the soil that i've been building up in the compost i mean like every week i could be in there every weekend i could go in and like tonight well before we go we have a concert tonight uh with mom before you're we go to the concert you're
1: going to a concert we're going to a concert okay where are you going what are you gonna see
0: uh carlos Vives. microsoft oh yeah yeah, uh, last night we did Hosier at the Hollywood Bowl. Oh. Sold out with Madison Cunningham. She's incredible. And then Thursday night I went to go see Julieta Venegas at Where? Cal State L.A. Oh. At Luckman, one of their theaters there. Yeah. I'm, I'm a huge music person and I try and do one concert per month. Um, the beginning of November just stacked up, ended up with three in the first week. Wow. Anyway, so I have about the same amount of space at home. And so every week I can go in there and grab basically like a... Okay, so most people know the size of a milk crate. Yeah. Um, depending on the crop, I can probably grab like five or six of those out of there. Crates. Crates. Those, you know, just... They, they fit the two gallon... Two, two gallon... Yeah, yeah. Two, one gallon. Yeah. So two... So the same space that a two gallon thing. So I can probably grab like four or five of those, maybe up to six, depending on what I'm growing. The trick is, especially with Urban gardening with small spaces it can be done there's a guy out in um, London Alessandro Spicy Mustache he does he has his whole garden I think is basically the same area as all these plots put together and so he shows you how to do a lot of intense planting like that and so he's not the one that created it but he shows you different methods of using it and so with home gardens and just urban spaces you just need to crumb them in a little more so on the seed packets it tells you how far apart you should space stuff we push those limits and for like corn it says you should probably do 10 to 12 inches in between i cut it down to like eight or nine and then depending on the varieties uh some plants will get massive like you have uh smaller varieties of pepper or smaller varieties of peppers or you know you can do a lot of root vegetables but there's certain plants and like tomatoes, they have bush tomatoes that only get to like maybe three or four feet tall and they're only maybe like a foot and a half wide. Whereas if you do a regular tomato plant, that's what those on the end over there are. That basic, that wall of green right there. Um, that's I think two plants there. So you just have to be careful as to which varieties you grow. Um, because they have specific, they call them patio varieties. So we can get a we can get basically our week, our almost our, um, I'd say probably eighty to ninety percent of our vegetables out of the garden, and probably about the ten by ten. Granted, that's only for two people.
1: You know, I, I wish I could. I got I, I want to do this. Do you ever get to San Diego?
0: Every now and then, I went down to San Diego Seed Company. Uh, so if you're, so if you're growing in, in the Pacific South, what is it? Pacific Southwest, you want to check with, uh, Bridget with San Diego seed company. She grows a lot of varieties for our climate. Okay. And so that's the other thing. You got to look for those regionally adapted seeds. Um, depending on where you are in the country, you may need, you may have a longer season. You may have a shorter season, a colder season, a warmer season. So you got to find those seed companies that put out those varieties for you so that, and that's all I planted, I think, in this plot, the first season. There's nothing but San Diego seed, and everything did fantastic. Um, but, yeah, no, I've I've got friends are in San Diego, and so I, I went down to visit her once, and she just had a fall planting, uh, I think, last week, and I was so busy I couldn't go down. Yeah. Um, but my garlic, actually, I just planted garlic before you got here. Um, I planted garlic from her.
1: Okay. You know, see, I, I'm okay. if you get a chance, you ever come to San Diego, maybe come look at my place. Um, okay. Because I've got two and a half acres. Oh, wow. And... In San Diego, yeah, and That's I a have massive space. I have never, I've never been able to enjoy it, at all, the land, nothing, because, it, for one reason, look, I, I I went to culinary school and I, I I went with this philosophy of cooking, using stuff from the garden. Right. I wanted to have a garden at home, just outside the kitchen, where I could go get tomatoes, go get uh, some herbs, go get whatever. I don't know why, but I, I just can't, for whatever reason, I, I never buy the right stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't use herbs that much, you know what I mean? Like the, the foods that I use, I mean, there's certain ones, like I use a lot of dill, I use a lot of... And the problem is, too, for me and my experience, again, this is my ignorance. Um, when I have a dill plant, it never grows big enough for to do what I want to do with it, mm. you know what I mean? At the time that I want to do it. Right. So let's say I have a, I have a recipe for tzatziki sauce. Has lots oh. of dill in it. and That sounds good too. I, oh, yeah, I do. Yeah. I, oh, so this, I take, a, just go to the chicken, get some chicken breast, and I marinate the chicken in yogurt, red wine vinegar, olive oil, oregano, uh-huh. salt and pepper, and garlic, fresh garlic. And then I leave it sit for about three hours and I take it off and I grill it. And, I, and, and the chicken is so tender and juicy. Uh huh. Then I, t- I slice that on the bias and I put it in. I go to the 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 market and buy those uh, the Costco where they have those uh, non breads.
0: Oh they yeah. They have yeah. those
1: packs of non. Right. I use them like a pita. Oh yeah, totally. I take that. I take the. I take some tzatziki sauce and I put it in there. I put the lay the chicken inside there. I put a big slab of tomato. I put. I sometimes put some dill. Dill. Uh, not dill. Uh, I I like a uh, fresh basil, sweet basil. Oh. And then I take uh, olive oil and red wine vinegar, and then I put uh, crumbled feta. Oh, that's okay. not so good. And those, I can eat three or four of those suckers. And if I would love to be able to get that stuff from the garden. Just get it from the garden. But the problem is the herbs are not the right size. Like if I have a dill plant instead of having you grab a little pinch of dill yeah and i don't even really know how to harvest dill Uh, harvest herbs without killing the plant that's what i don't know how to do
0: it depends on yeah it depends on the not just not just herbs like with like leafy greens yeah it just depends on how you harvest with like basil that's really honestly that's really the only herb i grow just because i find the other ones to be too tedious yeah with basil that's and then this year they didn't actually it didn't even actually do that well i actually grew it here and I got some uh, Thai basil. It did pretty okay. Um, but yeah, you have to look up how to harvest. And depending on how you harvest, especially herbs, uh, it'll make them bushier.
1: Oh, okay. Well, I know basil, you pinch the little tops off. Right. Hey, look at the bees over there at, your, at the uh, basil plant. Yeah. Getting some sweet basil love. That's nice. Yeah, I
0: know. And it's crazy how much life has come into this space since we started. Because before, you know, it was if you look on Google Maps, I think the most recent one actually shows this as a just a plot of grass. But if you go back in time on there, it uh, it's it's just like dead. There's like nothing here, and so with all the plants and all the stuff that we've been growing and bringing in, uh, just the soil in general, the soil life coming back. Like I've I've already got I've already got tomato hornworms. You know the bane of tomatoes growers' existence.
1: Do you happen to know which one of these criminals that's flying around the plant over there's laying the eggs for those tomato worms or tomato? Horn.
0: Those, that's a, uh, it's a moth. Okay. Is that white one, one, the little white one? No, the white ones are the cabbage moths. Okay. So yeah, that one right there, that like, white that one guy, over there, that guy right there, that's the cabbage moth. Okay. And so then that'll lay the eggs. Uh, and so when we are putting out the cabbages, um, we haven't had that much of an issue here. Okay. Again, because we're really going into our first winter Let's here. just knock on wood, you know. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, that's what a lot of people do, covering, row cover. Like that, way, uh, the, like
1: that? Like that one tarp over there like that?
0: That one over there is actually, it's the same idea. So it's like that, but it'll be white, so it actually lets the light in a little more. That one, and like the one that you see over here on this like tent looking thing, that's shape a lot. So that's because uh, we, we got too much sun.
1: See, I need to know all this, man. I mean, this gardening stuff, dude, it is so rewarding. YouTube University. I'm going to have to, dude.
0: YouTube University and um, just trial and error. Do you have a degree from YouTube University? I They haven't sent it over to me, but once I hit my, you know, enough followers, enough subscribers on my channel, I'm at, uh, funny enough, my area code is 562. I have 562. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot of it is just YouTube and just, especially with gardening, and that's why I started the YouTube channel is to, and that's why I started doing the social media on Instagram, one, just to kind of share what I had, but also to teach people because... Depending on where you are in the country uh, There's probably somebody on YouTube or on social media sharing their experiences And so that's why when I start going through YouTube, I don't follow no hate to the people in the fr- what, what did uh, one of my friends Jess over at Roots and Refuge? Huge channel. She's she's one of the sweetest people I know a lot of that community is just amazing She calls it the frigid north. So anything like right below Canada like they get those freezing cold winters and like, you know, like in Minnesota, they're like six months out of the year under snow. I like I don't follow a lot of those channels. So I follow people like Kevin at Epic Gardening or, yeah. you know, all the locals. Um, and so then there was nobody in this area. And so I was there just to show people like you don't have to do it the way I do it. But this is what's worked for me. If you haven't thought of this, great. You might want to try. it. But, yeah, it's just been trial and error is like 90 percent of it. Because YouTube can only show you so much until you actually get off your butt and go do it.
1: I want to do it now. So, you know, you were mentioning marigolds. Yes. What do you? What is the benefit to them? What do they do to protect the other plants?
0: The smell of them is so bad that some of the bad bugs don't like them. Okay. That's essentially what it is. Or you can also use them as a trap crop. Trap crops are basically plants that you put out so all the bugs will go to those. Oh. And so it essentially works like a mouse trap. So it attra- so it attracts all the extra bugs and so I do that as much Okay. Brussels sprouts have grown on me. What do you mean? I've never been like a huge fan of them and Brussels, then I've yeah. like actually eating them. And so then, you know, one of my sisters and then a restaurant in downtown Long Beach they you know they, they do the boiling and they do the grilled Brussels sprouts and whatever
1: they it with beer and bacon
0: well yeah you get the bacon bits actually I think the restaurant downtown uses actual pancetta not just bacon oh yeah better even better and so they've grown on me but every time I've tried to grow them and they're a pain in the butt because they're they're much longer they need a longer cooler season than we really get here you have to time it just right Anyway, so when I would plant them, all the aphids and all the bad bugs would go directly to them. Okay. And so what I started doing, what I did for a while, I would buy them. And my you know, my wife at the time was like, you know we're not going to eat those, right? She's so like, she loves them. I said, no, I know. She goes, why do you plant them? I said, because they keep all the aphids off of my tomato plants. You put them around the edge, and that's what I'm going to do with the onions. I have onions coming in a couple of weeks uh, from Dixondale Farms. Amazing, amazing uh, grower. And so... I will just put it all around. Like, that's part of the reason I just planted garlic. So I did garlic on the edges, and so then right in between, I'm also going to do onions. And so, going back to the question, it's really just to, this, it's something about the plant that helps keep the bad bugs away. So with in the case of marigolds, it's the smell for the bugs themselves that keeps them away. So, like, you can plant them around like I do with the onions of the, the, onions of the garlic, plant them around, uh, plant them in between the other ones, and it helps with that. I don't know the scientific backing right, behind right. it but it, i've noticed that it does help it's not gonna be your you know one thing that is gonna stop it all but it definitely helps
1: do you have any gophers here
0: knock on wood not yet good uh Let's knock some <laughs> wood. with gophers um so i had always when i first started growing at that first house where i just started throwing seeds out there i grew everything in ground i started that way but then I was like, you know, I like the look of raised beds and I like how it keeps it organized and, you know, mathematically it makes it easier. Um, so I started with that. We moved. We started at, a, We went to a different house. And that's when I put it in the front yard where I had the chef across the street. And so I made these massive raised beds. And I grew in there for about f- three, four years. No issues at all with gophers. And then, like, the last, like, year or two that I was there, I had gophers. Like, you could literally see. I've actually, I actually watched them pull the plant out Gee, from underneath. Yeah. yeah. And so Criminals. Was, yeah, and so I was so pissed off. And so I'm like, what am I supposed to do? And so one of my friends, um, Andy, he he has a company that basically goes around and maintains your gardens. He installs your gardens. He maintains oh. them. He does all this. Yeah. And he goes, dude, did you put... Um, Hardware cloth underneath. It's not actual cloth, but it's like chicken wire, but much yeah, stronger, yeah, much yeah. better. And so he said, did you put hardware cloth underneath? I said, well, chicken wire, he goes, no, hardware cloth. I said, why? He goes, because that's the only way he's been able to, because he's doing this professionally. He says, that's the only way I figured out how to do them. So you basically put hardware cloth underneath. You staple it onto the inside. And when you go sew the pieces together, because, you know, they only come in certain sizes. When you sew the pieces together, you got to use... Um, the same wire uh, the same wire that they used to tie uh, rebar together when they're building. He goes, that is the only way you're going to keep them out of there. So I'd already been growing for three or four years. I literally had to pick up the beds, move them, staple all that gopher wire essentially underneath, move all the soil. It was a total pain in the ass. But no more gophers for like the last two years that I was there. Oh, that's great.
1: See, and those guys are criminals.
0: Yeah, it's, just, it's crazy. They're criminals.
1: I, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to be down on nature, but those are the one, those and those bloody squirrels, they come and grab all the little fruit off the trees. You see, oh man, look at that. Look at all those oranges. And you go over there and they're gone. Or you, go, you got, uh, you see husks everywhere. The birds grab them and then those blackbirds and they just peck at them until they leave just a, a rotten shell of a fruit. Criminals. All of them are Criminals.
0: Yeah. Um, thankfully, I haven't had other than the gophers any real, like vermin or rodents or anything like that. Dude, I wish I didn't.
1: Uh, you know, I'm I'm getting ready to move, but I'll tell you right now, jeez, they've ruined so many so many hopes and dreams. they well
0: with the trees. If you're putting them in ground, they sell gopher baskets. Yeah. And so you can put those in yeah, there. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Those are expensive, though, too.
0: Yeah, they do get yeah, the, $40, $60, $100 for
1: those things.
0: That, that's why, and, well, and I have friends uh, that have actually made their own. It's still not very cheap, yeah, but it's yeah. a little bit cheaper if you make your own out of them.
1: So, look, let, let's talk about the philosophy of this. In, in order for to do this, you are saying these, these plants are transient and seasonal. Right. So you, you kind of have to be on this. You have to be working this. Right? Yes so you, and no. Okay, so the way I, way I'm interpreting it right. is, you, plant, you prepare the soil. Now, right. the soil you have here is it the the, uh, the native soil or do you have some? You have compost brought in.
0: So the native soil we started with was basically hard, you know, just rocks. And so they were telling me there was before you or as you were showing up, the gentleman that was leaving, he held pickaxe thing. He said that soil was so bad that the pickaxe was literally bouncing off of it. So. We put in the quote-unquote raised beds just to you know, uh, measure out the plots, and that way people you know, knew their, know their boundaries. And there's a hard boundary because it's wood. But um, some people actually started pickaxing it, digging it out. One of the guys over here literally dug everything out, and he put it back. As he was putting it back, he was mixing in compost and better soil and back soil. We do have a uh, composting system over there where the wheelbarrows are upside down. And so we start them all the way on the left. So whatever plants that come out of here, we can throw them in there. The only ones we don't put in there are the nightshades, uh, tomatoes and peppers and eggplants, because those plants transmit diseases way too easily, especially oh, tomatoes. So that's why we don't compost those here. So we take those off site. Whatever you do with them, that's on you. They just don't want them in there. You chop them up real small. And then as, you know, as they break down, we move them from where that, what is that, teal plant, uh, wheelbarrow yeah, is yeah from there towards us uh, this way and so as it breaks down by the time it gets to the what is it the third or fourth one it's ready to go so then initially it depends on how you wanted to do it because this is a new garden we're starting literally from scratch a lot of people brought in a lot of bag soil I actually split the cost with my neighbor we went over and we got bulk soil bulk compost with worm castings and all the good stuff we dropped it all in and we made the walkways and the pathways actually just this last week I put in bender board or a terrace board like bender board to separate out the thing Um, but once you get the soil and once you get it in and you just start growing in it and so every year now every season I bring in either new bag soil I bring compost that I make at home or I can grab some of the compost from here and just put it on top so the compost is all made on site so there's really nothing that leaves Except for whatever vegetables you're growing, whatever plants we, th- they don't want us to compost here, which is mainly tomatoes. Um, but everything is pretty much on time. Like I said earlier, we have a, uh, they're supposed to be putting in bees over here to help with the pollination. Yeah, that's going to be cool. Um, but then, and depending on the farm, depending on the garden that you're in, the community garden, some of them, um, I think they wanted to put in a um, a clay oven for like a pizza oven. Oh, Yeah. And so then the space we're sitting in now, I think they want to put in tables to, you know, like community events, especially for the people in the garden. Um, But depending on which location you're at, some of them may have this, some of them may have that. Uh, We do have a porta potty I don't think all of them do. But not all of them have beehives.
1: You know, I have a question for you about raised beds versus uh, planting in the ground. I had a friend who lived in my town. She had this garden. The age-old question. The age-old debate. She had this garden, and she had some of it in raised beds that they paid. So she was going on about how expensive they were. Yes. And then the cost. She, they, had a, uh, they, they sell chicken coops, this, these people. And they took some old uh, gates that they had for the sides of the coops. Right. And they made a, a, an enclosure. Right. But did a, a ground plant. And she said to me, in no uncertain terms, that the yield on the ones coming from the ground was twice as good as the ones on the raised beds. And, I can see that. And it could be her, maybe her own experience or whatever, but she was insistent that she was baffled by the amount of harvest difference between the two. What is your
0: thought? It depends on what you're starting with, essentially. Uh, with raised beds, you can control the soil a lot more. Granted, it's going to cost you a lot more because you got to fill them. Not just the soil, but also the, you know, the lumber or however you're making them. Although now the ones at home... When I moved back in with Mom, the once at home, I ended up getting I'm an affiliate with Epic gardening, and so I ended up buying a but I bought seven beds or eight beds from him, and so they're metal. so they're a lot easier to put together. They're tedious because it's a lot of little screws. and so they work out, I think, to just a little bit cheaper than doing wood beds. Um, but the soil to fill them was a was was ridiculous. But I was doing all back soil and so with the raised beds the main actually i noticed that when we were planting the garden back over here the giving garden a couple of weeks ago your back will thank you a heck of a lot more with the raised beds than doing it in ground that's the main thing for me yes i'm gonna have to original the initial setup cost to put in the raised beds it's gonna be a lot higher than just putting in even if you do just the the lumber around you know the the plots here the 10 by 10s um you can go ahead and do it, but it's going to take you a lot more work because you need to build up that soil. You need to bring in the compost. You need to bring in the organic matter to top it off. Um, and then once you go into the in-ground spectrum, it's going to be the till or no-till, dig or no-dig. Because there was actually somebody that brought over a tiller. because was ground ground so hard, it was literally just... It looked like, you know...
1: Uh, yeah, I've, I've dealt with it myself.
0: It, it, it looked like the, uh, the cars, you know, the, the lowriders, you know, the bouncing cars. That's basically what it looked like. Just skipping
1: along the top of the soil, yeah. I yeah, know.
0: exactly. And so, you know, there's a the whole thing with dig, no dig. And so for me, what I've noticed is I just do what, I, or what people call lasagna gardening. You put in different layers. You put in the cardboard to stop the weeds. Then you put in compost or you put in leaves, you put in grass. And so regardless of how you're going to do it, you're going to need good soil. The raised beds will get you there, I think, a little bit faster, depending on how good of a quality your bag soil is. Because, yes, there is different qualities to them uh, compared to what you're going to get with your home, your, you know, your soil, your native soil. Because if you already have decent soil, then you may not need to add a whole ton of stuff.
1: How, how do you know? Because, I see, if you told, said to me right now, go go check that soil and tell me what you think it needs or doesn't need or what the quality is, I would be ignorant. I have
0: no idea. You want to see how, um, not pliable. You want to see how thick, how quick, how easily you can get like a knife through or a fork. Uh, you don't want something. So, the worst one, and it, even even the worst one has its good qualities. So, like clay, it's hard as rocks. It's hard to get through. It's hard to break up. But because it's so dense it also holds on to nutrients a lot better. Oh. And you're gonna need less watering because it holds on to water a lot more. So you want a nice mix in between. You want a loamy soil. A what? Where, called loam, loamy, Yeah, loamy, Okay. And so you want a soil where basically, when it's moist, you can squeeze it and it holds together. Oh. But then if you just like push your fingers through it, it basically falls apart.
1: If you have that clay soil, can you achieve that?
0: Yeah, you can. The, your best bet is to start by putting uh, the quickest way and the easiest way is probably just to buy the bag soil, put it on top. Um, a lot of people, so when they start, so that's what he was trying to do with the tiller. You do the till, even the people that are the no-till gardeners, they will start with the tilling at the beginning. You don't want to do a lot of tilling because it breaks up the web of the soil with all the, all the good bugs and all the nutrients and stuff. So what a lot of people will do is they will till the first time just to help break it up. Then they put in, they bring in compost, whether it's bagged, homemade, however, and they bring in the organic matter, they mix it in. Every year after that, all you're doing is just putting more compost and more organic matter right on top of that. And you're not tilling again. Because once you get that network of, uh, of bugs and all the nutrients and all the stuff down there, you don't want to mess with it. And once you start getting all those worms, you put that through, tiller through there, you're you're basically going to be massacring uh, worms. Yeah, yeah. And so you don't want to be doing all that. So at the end of it, and I, I can compare this. this I'm going to be able to compare from here because it's all in ground. With what I have at home. Because at home I have nothing but raised beds. Um, The only thing I think I have in ground is a lemon tree. And that was there before I moved in. I moved back. Uh, But it depends. Honestly, at the beginning of it, it depends on your budget. But even when I first moved in to the current home, um, I was doing everything in containers. We have somebody over on the other side that didn't want to deal with the ground too much. She She brought in 30 to 40 gallon grow bags. Funny enough, on my recommendation, because she knew, because I was the first one to get everything everything planted in my plot. She brought those in, and so she said, half of it, I'm going to cover, I'm going to, you know, try and work the soil a little. Backfill it with some compost or some bag soil. And then on the other half of the plot, she put in all these grow bags. And so then when the new season comes over, she's going to switch the grow bags over to the other side and then start working the ground. That way, at the end of it all, Ooh. she's going to be planting directly in ground. And she, I think she's already switched some of the bags over already, because we're now coming into winter.
1: It, would you say there a, a brand of soil that you like? Is there
0: is there one company that's doing it better than another, or are they all the same? They're not all the same. It depends on where you are in the country, because a lot of it is regional, um, and it depends on your budget. So. Whatever it's like when you it's like when you uh, redo the house, the most of the money goes into the kitchen. With gardening, it doesn't matter how much money you put into the raised bed. As far as the materials to build the bed, it depends on the soil that you put in it. So you want to put the bigger part of your budget into that soil. So you can go to the big box stores. Uh, I try and stay away from um, Miracle Grow and all that stuff. My local one is Kellogg's. Uh, they're actually the ones that donated a lot of the soil here. I'm not saying that because they donated soil. Like the blue bags that are over there, that's under their G&B brand. So if you look at the top of that ba- at that top of that table, that yellow and black one, yeah. that's grow mulch. So that just goes on top. That's under the Kellogg's brand. But the blue bags underneath, their G&B, that's mainly sold at nurseries. Uh, that's not really sold at the big box stores. And so... That specific blend, I found that is pretty good for seed starting and just for topping off. But uh, essentially, that's the one. And I know a lot of people are going to are probably going to give a scrap about this. Um, not all of their so not all of their own soil is created equal. Because even the pink bags that you see over there, the raised bed mix, that's basically going to be a lot of filler. Uh, like who like. Like what? Like what? What's the what is it? the filler of the of the raised bed? So the bottom of the beds, because the roots on the plants aren't going to need to go all the way down the two feet or right, whatever right. whatever height that is. So you put the filler stuff in the bottom, and then you put the nicer soil on top. That way, it's more available to plants. After you've been growing in it for a few seasons, you keep adding the good stuff on, until so then it permeates all the way through the bottom. So
1: what what is the protocol? You said it was in layers, right? You said the the garden. yeah. Okay, so. When If I was going to start in one of these boxes over here, right in front of right,
0: us. Right, the, the raised bed, right. Yeah,
1: let's just say I was going to be the one in front of us, right in front Right. Of us. So to me, that soil looks pretty dry.
0: That one is dry just because I haven't watered it and okay. they don't have any mulch on it. Got and it. that's going to be your other thing. You want mulch.
1: Okay, like uh, wood shavings or?
0: Yeah, actually that red bag over there says garden soil, that's also Kellogg's. I have a friend, Veronica, that uses it as actual mulch. Uh, they do have a thing called soil conditioner, uh, but you can use yeah wood shavings. You do you uh, you want to make sure that it's not uh, certain species of trees um, because then it kills the roots, like black mm-hmm. walnut trees, yeah. or I think eucalyptus is another one. But if you're looking for mulch, if you go to the there's actually I was gonna head over after this. Uh, there's a nursery, it's a large nursery. Uh, Gomez Growers or United Growers, they have different names depending on what website you're on. Uh, they sell a lot of the Kellogg stuff at a very good price. And so I go over there and they've got probably like a dozen a dozen different varieties of their soils. Um, but this one, so you want to keep the soil moist, but you also want don't want it to bake. So when you plant, which is what I'm going to have to do, and I'm going to have to go get some mulch because the one over there is too big. The seeds aren't going to be able to, they, uh, they have the city bring us or they have arborists bring us all that mulch over there. The spinning for the walkways, you can technically use it in the beds, but that is a fresh batch. Uh, and some of those pieces are too big, so I'm gonna have to go buy some. But you plant, you water everything in, you put the mulch on top. The mulch is the one that's gonna take out, especially right now, because it's, it's getting warm. Or it's warm. It's gonna bake the hell out of that top of soil. And then that means the roots will have to go down further looking for water. And so, especially with young plants, it's not going to help you. so you want to get mulch on there and that way it keeps the sun off the direct soil and that way it doesn't make it that's why that one looks so dry because there's no mulch on it
1: so if i wanted to supplement that soil
0: what would i put on there right now which which of these since we're here i would probably grab that blue ribbon uh there's also they have another one um it's a brown bag, I can't think what it's called right now off the top of my head. But they have another one. Uh, oh, Harvest Supreme, that's what it's called. Is that a good one? I, that's the one I found, so the friend that, Andy, that installs gardens, he's the one, I said, what do you do at the end of the season for the new season? He says, you go to United Growers, you grab a few bags of, however many bags you need for of Harvest Supreme, so I would literally just, then this is what I'm doing now, because I'm switching everything over to fall. Either, obviously the best is going to be homemade compost or just local compost, um, I would grab the Harvest Supreme. Well, first I would water it in, let it soak, because after a while, if the soil becomes too dry, it becomes hydrophobic, meaning it's just going to repel water. And so you want to fill it in. You want to mix, you know, not necessarily mix the soil, but you can grab like a fork or a trowel and just like make holes in it. That way you can fill those holes, and that way it sits in there, and that way the soil sucks it up. You want to water it in. You want to put, since we have them here, or just a compost. I would then top it off with a new layer, water that in, plant if I'm going to plant anything, water those all in, and then put mulch on top.
1: So, are you just broadcasting that the soil on top?
0: Yeah, it just goes right on top, just another layer. Okay,
1: and then you plant. And then you plant. And then when you, as you're planting, it's kind of mixing. Right. right. Okay.
0: You can uh, when you're putting in, you can do like a light layer of compost first, kind of mix that in and then everything else on top. So you're gonna have probably two, depending on how much you put on it, two, three inches of the good stuff, the new stuff. But then again, it's not gonna make a difference if you don't put the mulch on it. That's the biggest, that's the biggest game changer. Cause I didn't really used to always mulch. And then once the plants get big enough, they block out all the sun from hitting the soil directly. But at those first stages, you definitely want to get that mulch down because then that way the thing that's getting baked and fried is your mulch. And if you lift the, move the mulch back a little, maybe an inch or two, you feel that moistness and you feel that all that water in that soil that the plants are actually in.
1: Okay. So how has this been a life changer for you, having this garden? I mean, obviously you're getting the health benefits from all of the the uh, fruits and vegetables coming out of here. I, this is obviously kind of a lifestyle for you too,
0: right? Yeah. my uh, Actually, I, I'm wearing a Baker Creek shirt. They sell a lot of seeds, but I have one. That I did, I did it on Bonfire years ago, which is basically just printing. And I have uh, Green Zebra Gardening, Growing Food is Not a Fad, It's a Lifestyle. (laughs) Okay. And I have to get new ones, because that one's been through the ringer quite a few times. Um, And when you go online, you see the memes, and we make fun of ourselves, the gardening community does, it's like, I can either go to the grocery store and spend, even if there's if it's the expensive heirloom tomato I can spend four or five dollars a pound per tomato yeah. or I can spend you know a thousand dollars growing it myself uh, Yeah, it's like you know the same thing with Pinterest like I can just go buy whatever I need and it's already done or I can spend you know all this time all this money and all this energy and maybe get something close to it so it's the same idea but for a lot of us it's not necessarily the food although that definitely helps the health benefits it's the socializing with other people socializing with people for the community like i said i have a garden at home growing more space for me is always a bonus but it's merely the social aspect and like here we've been here this whole time and we haven't had anybody come through but before you shut up there was a gentleman that had just left so at any point i'm over there watering and the other guy from over here uh i can't remember saying jacob was over here watering he and I are having a conversation about random, like, complaining about, did you get this bug yet? Did you get that bug yet? Or what are you growing? Right, right. What, what extra plants do you have? I had somebody, the lady over here with the shade cloth over here, she gave me a, a colored green plant. She bought a six-pack, and she goes, I, I don't have enough space. Um, so the, the socialization, the getting out into the sun, the physical aspect of it. Um, but the other thing is, so these guys rented out, this is actually a health and wellness center that rented that bed. Right here, this first, yeah, this yeah. first bed, the yeah. one that we were talking about, with yeah. the dry soil. Um, a lot of it is just for your mental health because when you get home from work, especially, and I love the location of this one because, like I said, I'm only like five minutes south. I get off the 710 right up here, off of uh, over on Delamo, like right on yeah. Carson. I take Delamo all the way down and then take Long Beach Boulevard all the way down. So I literally drive by here like every Every three or four days And so I can swing by after work I work in a call center And so all the stress Of just work and whatever Just standing here At that point it's cooled down Hopefully If it's not in the middle of summer And just watering the plants Tending to the plants Your serotonin goes up, And just And it's been scientifically shown That once you get your hand in the soil I don't know if it's Whatever's in the soil Just the act The process Whatever it lowers your stress, and it just makes you healthier. Even This is even before you even get to eating the actual food without all the chemicals and the pesticides and all the junk that you, know, you get in the grocery store. So yeah. a lot of it is just the mental health.
1: I started thinking about that myself recently. I was thinking that, you know, they, they push you to eat fruits and vegetables, right? That's what right. they say you should eat. Right. But then in the growing process or the whatever, they actually cover them in gases and uh, chemicals and pesticides Oh, yeah. Waxes and all this stuff. Oh, yeah, stuff. the apples, yeah. And, I'm, and I, I'm saying, is that a little counterintuitive? How is that hell helping the health? You, you're thinking you're eating something for health, and then you find out
0: that you're being poisoned by all the stuff that's on it. Even the stuff that's certified organic yeah. still has a lot of chemicals and stuff in it. It's, it may not be as bad, or as many of them, but it's still, yeah. they still got crap on them. So the only way to know for sure is to grow it yourself. Or if not, go to a local farmer's market. Talk to the actual people that are growing them and selling them. Yeah. I'm not going to say that they're all organic or that they all use best practices for that stuff, but it's going to be a whole lot better than um, going to the grocery store, even Trader Joe's or Sprouts. Uh, so and the, Because we're in California, a lot of this stuff does come from, uh, it was at the San Joaquin Valley. So a lot of those guys actually drive a long way to come down. Um, you know, the,
1: going through that valley, or going, I, my cousin lives in Bakersfield.
0: Oh. And she before or after the all oh, the cattle.
1: <laughs> I'm gonna say after because she lives in a place where you don't smell the cattle. Oh, Okay, good. But you know, here's the thing: I I love strawberries, and I've never had a better strawberry than the ones in Bakersfield. <sighs> they are just look. I'm think you know. I was I was. You ever go to the store and go to the the? They have those blended drinks in the bottles. Yeah, yeah and yeah. they have this one called Boathouse or Lighthouse or like that. And one day I was just looking at it, and it said right there on the bottle, uh, "Grown and distributed and bottled in Bakersfield."
0: Oh, that's nice. And
1: I'm just like, all the stuff, the gas, the air, the uh, the water, the, the stuff that's in the water, in the air, in the soil, mm-hmm. and you're growing our fruits and vegetables in that in that area. All the, the in because Bakersfield's in a in a valley. It's in this, It's all covered by you know surrounded by mountains. And I'm going, the air gets locked in there, the exhaust from the cars, the, all the impurities from the, from the, the farming and whatever. Right, 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 And that's where we grow our fruit, our yeah. vegetables. Yeah. But you know what? I'll tell you this. It's almost worth it with those strawberries. <sighs> it's almost worth it. I, I, there's nothing like them. If you haven't had strawberries from Bakersfield, uh, you're missing out. They are literally like cubes of sugar. Oh, jeez. You know, they're cubes of sugar. They're plump and round and juicy. They almost seem like they're made in a lab. Oh, wow. They cannot be. I, I, there's nothing like them. If you go to the store right now, and buy those funky ones they have in the plastic containers. No. They're like eating. Uh, God, like what? See, the problem is if you let people believe those are the strawberries that, that God gave us, it's a shame. Yeah, because I agree. Because that fruit is so compromised, it's so like you said, picked early. It's not. I don't know what's not given enough time, but they're the edges of them are white. A little fl- bit of both. Yeah, the flowers, the flower. I mean, the the fruit itself is is tough. It doesn't have a soft consistency, and it doesn't have that sweet strawberry funk. You know. Yeah. It doesn't have it. Yeah, it doesn't. But if you go to Bakersfield, they they sell flats of these things that are they're all of them are. are Picked at the peak of ripeness, they're all every one of them tastes like a piece of sugar.
0: They have one actually over on the west side. I don't remember what the farm is called, but they're supposed to be really good too here on the beach. Really? Yeah, over by Gomez Growers. Funny enough, down the street. I
1: have to get over there. So listen, Luis, I we think we did it, man. Uh, Is there anything else you want us to let these people know?
0: Get off your butts and go garden. It doesn't matter how big or how small your space is. You can always start with containers. Like I said earlier, that plot over there, she's got—I don't know—maybe a dozen grow bags. But you don't even have to have a dozen. Hell, if you start with one, um, I, I've, I've got a few grow bags about that size at home, and are just larger containers. And depending on the variety of the plants, depending on what it is, you can grow like mini gardens in those in those containers. If you have like three or four of them, you can have your full on you know full on uh, growing going and you've got all kinds of stuff growing in there and you know you got to push those limits yeah the seed packets will tell you you know this is the spacing, but you can always push those limits that way you know because if you don't try them how are you gonna know not everything has to be in a perfect row, perfectly spaced like you see on those monoculture farms like in Bakersfield or anywhere anywhere else um I know they use it for efficiency, for machinery, to do all that. But if you're at home, I don't care if my tomato plant touches my garlic. Yeah. As long as the tomatoes taste fine, then I don't care. Did
1: you hear that thing recently about the agave in Mexico? No. I was talking to a guy who, uh, he's a liquor guy, and he was talking about this brand of uh, mezcal they have. Right. Called origen raiz. And this stuff was so delicious but he was telling me the story that tequila is so people so, drink so much tequila now yeah. that they can't keep up with the the amount of agave. You can't grow it fast. yeah So apparently there was there's there used to be this beautiful agriculture, the, this uh, this uh, what do they call it? Your um, bio sphere mm-hmm. of animals, plants, uh, all these different kinds of bacterias and things in, in, right, this, right, right. in this garden area. Well, they they had to get rid of it so that they could plant agave, and now they're having a hard time with the agave because the agave, it, all that all those bees, all that bio that lived there before, the ones that would
0: that ecosystem,
1: that ecosystem is is been you know eradicated, yep. and and now they're having trouble with the agave.
0: Yep, sounds about right. You know, I don't
1: know, man. This uh, this whole thing, I, I wish. Everybody out there who's going to be doing this, get start your garden. You know, it's it isn't that hard. Uh, it's it's it can be time so, But You have to. You kind of want to love it. Yeah, you, know, no, if you, you do. If you don't love it, it's, it's all going to die. Probably. It's
0: not. It's not going to love you back. Um, yeah, you just got to keep on top of it. Right now, the the stretch in this part of the this in Southern California, it's like either hot or less hot. <laughs> So we don't get real winters. We don't yeah. get real seasons. Yeah. And so it's always a pain trying to figure out when to take out the summer stuff and put in the winter. Um, and so right now we're in the process of s- essentially swapping it out. And so it's at the beginning of the season and started the new one. At the end of the old one, that's the most work after initially setting it up. Once you got it going, it's going to be a lot easier. So now we're going through and swapping out seasons. Once I get everything planted, hopefully because it's winter, we're going to get some rain. I probably won't have to do a whole lot, except maybe come down here and make sure. Say if it hasn't watered, and then just get growing. And it doesn't matter what size of space you have, even if you don't have a yard or even a patio. You go in and you can start growing microgreens. You can do those on a tabletop with just a lamp.
1: You know, I did those in a uh, in one of those containers where you shake them, but you wet the seeds. Oh yeah, the, the
0: seed sh- spriders. Yeah, yeah. And You turn it over. Yeah. And it Drains. Yeah.
1: Oh, I had some. I had some great salads for a little while.
0: Oh yeah. But yeah, no, I have a friend that does that too. She's in Oregon, and she she has stuff all over the place.
1: It's, it's fun. It's fun.
0: She does even just basic mason jars too. Tell me, what is this place going
1: to look like in six months or two years? Is it going to be this lush habitat?
0: It depends on the time of year that you're coming, but uh, depending on where we are in the season. Uh, but, yeah, once this soil, once these people and once these gardeners build up the soil, if you're coming in the height of like summer, like July, Oh yeah, we've got tons of stuff. Like basically, that green wall is gonna be all over the place. Uh, We've got people growing. I grew corn here this year. It was really good. The only issue with corn, and this is regardless of where you grow it, you get the you get the worms.
1: And you get ants too, right?
0: Um, I haven't had an ant issue here.
1: I had an ant issue. They just destroyed my corn. I one time did it.
0: No, the the worms. Look look, look, at this
1: guy. Look at this guy watering. For a second, I thought there was something else going on over there. (laughs) I I looked up. What? Oh, okay. That was funny. Um, Anyways, Luis, um, thank you so much for having me, man. Really, it's been a pleasure. I'm going to take some pictures and uh, show the listeners what what, uh, you're doing here. And uh, it's been been fun. It's been real fun.
0: It's been good to get out of the house. Yeah.
1: Well, plus you're at your garden, too. Yeah. You can't pass that up. No, not at all. So, look, we're signing off for now. Thank you for listening. Be nice to each other. We'll talk to you soon.